Hey, this is Sam Whitworth. I play Davis Bloom, aka Doomsday, on Smallville, and you are listening to the Always Hold On to Smallville podcast. <laughs> Salon to Smallville. In this podcast, we talk about each and every episode of the Young Superman show that ran from 2001 to 2011 on the WB and the CW. I'm your host, Zach Moore, and I'm joined by, from Always Salon to Arrow, Lance Laster. What's up? And from the Comics Binge, Chris Clow. What's up, Chris? Hey, thank you very much for the invitation. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Oh, and hey, what's up, Lance? (laughs) (laughs) I care about you, too. Just so used to being around. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> oh, man. So Lance is back. He loved Brian so much. Came back for Legion. And this is the the mid-season premiere. Mm-hmm. Did, I don't think that... Did they advertise them as mid-season premieres yet? I don't think so. I don't, I don't think, think I've ever heard on the mid-season premiere of The Flash. No. Like, I, mid-season finale, you hear all yeah. the time now. When they come yeah. back, they're, oh. just like, they're just like, you know, The Flash is back on yeah. you know, Wednesday, January 8th. <laughs> right. And they, it's a trailer for like the next five episodes, and you're all yeah. like, well, what's going to happen, right? Uh-huh. We are back, the second half of season eight, and this is going to be interesting, because I think for a, probably this whole podcast, especially this season, I've said a lot about like, well... I really like the first half of season eight, but here we are in the second half. Obviously, the exception to that statement is Legion, one of the best and most legendary episodes of the show. Just showing her hand now. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll talk through it as we always do. But, you know, Chris, this is a new era for Smallville. It is. We have her in the Metropolis years now, which is a very important signpost for the whole show. Uh, I guess especially as a you know a diehard comic book Superman fan as you are and multimedia, just Superman fan in general, watching Smallville at the time, Michael Rosenbaum, Kristen Couric, John Glover, all of them are gone. Uh, there's new characters, new actors, new status quo for the show. Like, what were you thinking as a Smallville fan back in the beginning of season eight? I was getting a little impatient. I have to be honest. Um... You know, there it's it's interesting because I have to go back to the the time in which this came out. I was working for a couple of years by that point as a comic book retailer, so um, my immersion in DC Comics continuity was even stronger than it had been when the show first went on the air. So it's like as I started working more and more, and through necessity, sort of absorbing de- the details of DC continuity, especially when it came to Superman, because of my personal affinity for him, my impatience with the show began to grow even more. That being said, uh, I, looking back on season eight, I feel like it was maybe a little stronger than it had a right to be. I, I don't think it knocked things out of the park when compared to the first seven or even a a couple of episodes that are still to come here. But um, 
I remember being very flabbergasted by the concept of like Hulkifying Doomsday as the big bad for the season. But they actually did pull it off in a couple of different ways. I think in doing no small part to Sam Witwer, I actually really appreciate Sam Witwer as a performer. And I think that he brought um, a, a, a human angle to it that I certainly never would have applied to Doomsday, nor would I have ever been inclined to. But the thing that I particularly love about this episode, and we'll get into more of the specifics later, of course, is that uh, Garth kind of gave voice to a lot of the things that I was feeling as a fan of Superman. So we'll get into that, I'm sure. But that's generally where my headspace was and is. Okay. Yeah, no, we we've been talking about Doomsday a lot, and uh, and I I agree. Like I I would have never. You tell me this on paper. You pitch this to me. I'm like, what are you doing? Like you just when you when I think of the the WBification of characters, the CWification of characters, yeah. I'm like, oh yeah, Doomsday's a werewolf. Uh, what a great idea. And he works at a hospital, right? But the just the way they handled it in the, in the first half of the season, and it, and again, Sam Whitmer, fantastic actor, close personal friend of the podcast as you yeah. heard earlier <laughs> earlier this season uh, did a great job really you really felt a lot of uh, sympathy for this character right he's a he's a tragic he turned doomsday who was just this, this kind of and i don't mean this in a bad way just just created this way like a one note i'm gonna kill superman like he's created for this one purpose right yeah uh character and you actually added some layers to him and 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 appropriately so like you couldn't have a whole season of doomsday Right of on Smallville in 2008, like it was no. not going to happen. Uh, but how do you follow up like Suther? It's like, well, I don't know. Uh, we already did Brainiac, and we kind of did Zod. Well, maybe we'll do Zod again. I don't know. Let's go with Doomsday. And they were thinking, this is the end of the show. So they're like, let's let's go big, go big or go home. Right? Death of Superman's like one of the most popular anything's. Every every Superman movie in the 90s was was trying to do this story, and then Doomsday is a very marketable name and. Well, remember that the Doomsday story was 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 huge. It was bigger than just just comics, right? I mean, it reached literally everywhere. Because I remember when when it became knowledge that you know in that issue, you know, Superman was going to die. Like there were like I remember Dan Rather leading off a newscast talking about you know how Superman was going to die in the comic books. It was that it was that big of a deal, like that they were talking about it on the news. So, um, so yeah, it's it's the it's the one story that really sticks in people's minds, and the one that everybody like who even who doesn't read comic books knows who Doomsday is. And so they so for the people who were in charge at this particular point in the show, if they were going to go big or go home, of course, like that was the, it was the natural pick to pick Doomsday for this. Yeah, I mean the obsession with adapting the story of the death of Superman is one of the most well-documented other media components of the Superman character, arguably like they kept trying to figure out how to crack that story in a medium other than comics. They did it a couple of times in animation. Really the Mm -hmm. last time they did it in my estimation was the best, but this, I mean, how do you stretch that into a full season of TV without necessarily going back to like those issues that led up to the death of Superman where Doomsday is just pounding the crap out of the JLI, you know? Well, this is definitely a different road. And it was because of that that I was, you know, I was a fanboy. I was very, like, dismissive about what they were going to try to do. But I'm also a fan, so I'm going to watch it. And, yeah, I mean, <laughs> for what it is, like, we could we could debate about how things landed. But in terms <laughs> of the setup here, yeah, it, it went pretty well. 
Absolutely. And, and you know, in your last episode, you're on, Chris, uh, we were talking about Bizarro, <laughs> right? And we, we had discussion about like the, the Mount Rushmore of poorly adapted uh, <laughs> characters. True. And yeah. I, I would not put Doomsday on that list. Like, I, I, I think we said Mix uh, uh, is Pitalik, of course. Yeah. Um, Mikhail, right? <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, who I affectionately call John McCain Deathstroke. Yeah. <laughs> well, I love Michael Hogan, right? Bowser Galactica, Eye Patch, like yeah. okay, sure, but no, that's not Deathstroke. <laughs> okay, yeah. no. And then Dark Side, of course. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that in season ten. But like, I don't know where that fourth slot would be. That sometimes that's say Bizarro. I don't know. Like as an adaptation of that character, we felt like, well, maybe that's not the best. I don't know. You know, it's funny that you bring that up, just because. I would say that the philosophy between adapting Bizarro and adapting Doomsday were actually very similar in the sense that they tried to branch it off and do their own specifically Smallville iteration. But one lands and one crashes pretty hard. And I'm not really sure why Bizarro didn't work. Like, I guess it's probably because Bizarro is a character who has a lot more history. If I and This is from a comic book fan's perspective. A lot more history. And there are stories that people can point to where it's like, yeah, that's a Bizarro story. With Doomsday, like you said, his creation was for one specific purpose. And although they have given him backstory in the intervening 30 years since the death of Superman was first published, there wasn't anything that really stuck in terms of a definitive Doomsday origin story. So maybe that sort of looseness gave them more license to be creative with the way that they applied Doomsday. Just a hypothesis, but. Makes sense. Makes sense. That's a great point there, Chris. Uh, Doomsday, what, uh, 15 years old? Am I doing my math wrong? At that point, yeah. 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 That's crazy. Doomsday was 15 years old when this came out? Yeah, he's young. Are we still waiting on bruno Mannheim by this point in season eight yes he he has not come out yet uh okay. he is in uh stiletto all oh, right yeah the okay. the very lois and clark-esque episode stiletto of, of course this whole era of smallville is very lois and clark-esque uh yeah. but uh yeah he he his whole thing was uh kryptonite money yes <laughs> fun so yeah he's he's a contender <laughs> <laughs> kryptonite money that's like is that the uh the neon gods that uh simon and garfunkel were talking about in in uh, sound of silence <laughs> i don't know but that's one of the most absurd people forget about that people think about like fast and furious in season three but i'm like i don't know man kryptonite like i can i don't understand i haven't rewatched the episode in a while but i distinctly remember them printing money with kryptonite and that was Bruhome manheim's whole thing what a waste you know, yeah. we had Morgan Edge back in season three. They talk about inner gang, fourth world characters are showing up in season 10. Like to, to lose Bruno Mannheim, I am super excited as of this recording. Tobias Church himself from Arrow is going to play Bruno Mannheim in Superman Lowe's season three. I'm very excited for it. I know Lance is. Cool. Yeah. So we cool? Oh, yeah, we cool. <laughs> 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 Tobias Church, man. Underrated villain. What's, very underrated. What's, He's a What's bullseye. his actor's name, Lance? I can't remember his name. He's in The Walking Dead. He's in The Orville. Yeah. He's anyway, in stuff. He's a great character actor, great genre actor, and I'm looking forward to seeing him, Superman Lois. But okay, that, that's a good that's a that's a good one. We'll put him, we'll pencil him in on that fourth that fourth slot player to be named later okay. on the Mount Rushmore. But uh, anyway, 
one character who doesn't deserve to be on that Mount Rushmore is Toy Man. I actually really love the Smallville iteration of Toy Man, but that's a whole yeah, and he sticks thing. around as, yeah. as well. Like he's got, uh, I think, at least one episode these last three years. So yeah. that, that's 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 a very malleable character as well, Toy Man. No one's, I don't think anyone's going to get up. So you changed Toy Man's origin, like you ruined it. No one's going to yeah. be upset like that, are they? <laughs> I mean, unless like I would kind of love to see the animated incarnation brought to life in some oh, way, yeah. but this was you mean just the really costume. Solid. Yeah. yeah, creepy as all hell. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah, I love the but, costume for Toy. But man. he's pretty creepy in Smallville too. Like I think that's the way to take him. Like he could go either way. It's not mm. like it's not like the Joker who's got like a rictus grin and you can <laughs> tell he's evil, right? It's like mm. that guy could be a, a kindly old toy maker or he could be, you know, stalking kids in a van somewhere. You know, it's <laughs> either or. Yeah. You know who else isn't along that list? The Legion of Superheroes. Ah, I mean, you spend all this time talking about Doomsday. Like, this this convergence here of <laughs> of all this comic book lore. Yeah. Right? Look at the Legion of Superheroes in this episode. Yeah. And uh, I know my dad was a big fan of adventure comics back in the day. So he had a lot of these Legions of Superhero comic books. And uh, so I, I knew who these characters were. I wasn't too familiar with them. But uh, for people who... Because I feel like so many Superman fans these days, you know, myself included... Uh, kind of assimilate more of the the multimedia than necessarily the comic book literature and probably uh, i'm not gonna say everybody because of course the the audience of smallville is is just cuts across many many uh walks of life so to speak but i feel like a lot of people at least in our of our persuasion comic book fans and nerds and people watching all this stuff best know them from superman the animated series where they go back to smallville right uh new kids in town is that the name of that episode I think so. Yeah. All right. Uh, Brainiac is involved, right? Yeah, true. They give Clark glasses, which they should have done in this episode. That would be real nice. <laughs> Missed well, opportunity. Yeah. Well, also, also, let's also not, not forget the Legion of Superheroes animated show that came out, what, 2006? Yes. Um, Everyone right. has forgotten that, Lance. I remember us watching that in the dorm room. <laughs> <laughs> Where like it's he's like little Clark Kent and they take him to the future. I'm like he's never going back there, is he? Yeah. It's just is that two seasons, I think. Uh, yeah, because yeah. it went, ran from 2006 to 2008. Yeah. Okay, on the WB. <laughs> or oh, I guess that would be the CW. That, but I don't know. Cartoon Network. I don't know. I think so. Kids, I think it was Cartoon Kids Network. WB was that still? No, it would have been CW by then. 2006. Really? Yeah. 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 It would have wow. been. Jeez. Yeah. That, my timelines are all off then. That was concurrent, sort of, with the Batman. Yeah. And Teen Titans. Decent Superman appearance in the Batman, I think. Yeah. No, the, the, his Superman appearances are good. Yeah. Voiced by Tim Daly. George Newbern. George Newbern. Oh, oops. <laughs> okay. Okay. Close. Well, Danny Delaney was Lois Lane and Clancy Brown was Yes. Lane, yes. So. yes. <laughs> that's okay, though, because Tim Daly showed up in Brainiac Attacks, and that's what really matters. <laughs> that's what matters. Have you watched that yet? No, it's unopened. We're going to have a special occasion when I open that. Okay, <laughs> we cool, watch man. it together. So, yeah, it'll be fun. It's legendary how not good that particular interpretation is. But yeah. uh, with Lance Hingerson as Brainiac, how did you mess that up? Anyway. It's hilarious. And, you know, I haven't been doing this a lot or at least mentioning it a lot uh, on the podcast recently because I, when I first started the podcast, I was like, I'm going to watch this episode a couple times each and I'm going to listen to the commentaries. I'm going to do all of the yeah. And then about like really beginning of season two, I had to watch Red like three or four times 
And I was like, I can't do this anymore. So I, <laughs> so I stopped kind of watching the commentaries with the episodes because there's a point where you get kind of fatigued about it. Like, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. Can't wait to hear what Miles Miller has to say about Red Kryptonite or whatever. I'm like, no, I'm done, right? So I didn't really, there's a lot of small episodes I haven't rewatched the commentaries for, but I made sure I did with this one because uh, it had Jeff Johns and executive producer Darren Swimmer, uh, one, one of the PS3, as we called them at the time, and then uh, producer Tim Scanlon. The three of them are on a commentary, and I'll, I'll mention some bits and pieces as we go here, because uh, because it is it is kind of insightful, especially when you uh, realize when they recorded this. It was during the production of season eight before it was over, so there's some fun comments along the way that that I'll mention. But uh, but anyway, long live the Legion. Let's get into it, Legion. Where are you supposed to be? I'm the red blue blur. What up there in the sky? Wow. You may be known as Clark Kent now, but one day you'll be known as. Lex saved my life. I owe him everything. Were you this devoted before or after your accident? Knowing what it's like to truly feel powerful, it's hard to admit when you can't do it alone. We are the Legion. We've come from the 31st century. Kal-El, your influence will reach far beyond Earth. Lana, you're part of the reason Kal-El becomes the hero. Clark, the world needs you. everything you ever asked not anymore i loved you you son smallville all new episode thursday january 15th on the cw legion is the 11th episode of smallville's eighth season it aired on january 15th 2009 reserved by jeff johns and directed by glenn winter yeah jeff johns probably my favorite comic writer I mean, you put him on Smallville, I'm like, this is the best thing ever, right? And, you know, he, he wrote three episodes once a season uh, these last three years. And I think that was so important for them to bring in comic book writers into the fold. Like earlier, uh, they had uh, Jeff Loeb, obviously, most famously was a producer and writer in uh, seasons two through four. And uh, Mark Verheiden uh, wrote some earlier episodes. Um, Michael Green, I think, wrote some episodes or at least was involved. I'm not, Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, that sounds familiar. But... Lots of, you know, lots of comic book people floating around. So some that, that, you know, Kevin Smith has been talking about this for years. Like, we should call these guys, right? <laughs> like, they know more than anybody. Ironically, the Superboy TV show did this all the time. And Mike Carlin writing episodes. And it's like, wow. You know, I, I know people kind of, you know, forget about that show or laugh about that show. But I, I, I've I've been watching, thanks to our friends at All-Star Superfan Podcast. I've, I've watched some season three and four episodes of Superboy recently. And, the, you know, it's... It's not bad. You know, I mean, obviously understanding what it is and from the time it's from, you got people running around Superman costumes, fighting supervillains. Um, you know, it's fun to see. So Chris Lance knows uh, that we have a new game going on in season eight. Uh, played it last week. It's called Ratings Watch. These last three seasons of Smallville. I'm just curious to keep an eye on the ratings. Uh, and I'm going to ask you, Chris, I'm going to give you a little context clues here. You know, okay. so you're not going to be flying blind, but... What do you think the ratings were for this episode in January 2009? Hey, we're in 2009 yeah. now, by the way. How about that? <laughs> the year we graduated college. Leaves me a lot. So yep. did you graduate college in 09, Chris, or are you a little earlier? No, or later? I, was, uh, I was a little later. I was 2012. Okay. You're so much more like mature than us, I feel, that it's interesting. <laughs> that you're... I don't know about that. But... You're, you have the scholarly energy to you. So when I remember you're younger than me, I'm like, man. But the, the season premiere, Odyssey. 
4.34 million viewers, okay? Mm. And the mid-season finale Bride, 4.18 million viewers. So with that information, knowing that you're coming back from a hiatus, this is that you know, this is hyped up, Doomsday, Legion of Superheroes. What do you think this episode made on a Thursday night back in 2009? Hmm. I'm tempted to go low or high. Um, I'm going to say four, like right around 4 million. Okay. Four. What about you, Lance? I'm going right back where we started at the beginning of the season at 4.3. Okay. 4.29. So you guys had it surrounded. (laughs) (laughs) One tenth of a point off, Lance. (laughs) Oh, man. So there there you go. Uh, And then I believe... Yeah, Denver reaches his height again after <laughs> for the rest of the season. <laughs> now, now it, it it stays respectable. Like, isn't there's not like a crazy nosedive or anything, which just kind of incrementally gets less and less viewership. Um, I understand why. <laughs> See how things went, but but you know we're here to talk about the good times, the good old days, right? Legion, the Legion of Superheroes is here, appropriately named. Right, this is an episode title, set an episode all over the place here. Uh, perfect name for it. These these, that's the thing with Smallville. Right, I mean that when they there are a lot of times where it's like this episode's called Bizarro, this episode's called Perry, this one, one's called Legion, right? Uh, Justice Society, right? Uh, that one is called <laughs> Absolute Justice if you consider it a two-parter, hmm. uh, but the actual two episodes are called Society and Legends. So anyway, previously on, right? They're doing this before every episode. It's interesting on the commentary. Uh, they're, they're, that's part of the episode, and Jeff Johns like, "Wow, it must be pretty hard to put these together, huh?" <laughs> <laughs> I just found that a hilarious comment. Uh, they're like, yeah, you know, we look at the exciting things and, you know, try try to know what story beats we're going to hit. And they hear, like, you know, uh, Darren Swimmer and Tim Scanlon explain it is, is interesting. And uh, and I got to say, if you just watched these previously on Smallville, you'd think this is the greatest show of all time. Let me tell you. they <laughs> You see Doomsday. You see Kara with a crystal, right? You see all this crazy stuff going on. Um and uh, they kind of get you up to speed when the the the, the, wedding, the big wedding talk about wedding crashers, right? And the Doomsday, the ultimate wedding crash. We even mentioned that last week. Lance yeah, can't believe true. I know. we missed that joke. We, we did. liked that movie, but anyway, I know. So you you get caught up to speed there, and then it's a, it's the night after, right? At, at the Kent Barn, pan down, banner on the barn to the future. I'm like genius, genius. And in the commentary, I'm sorry, I'm not going to mention this every time, but there were some good points off here at the top of the commentary. Jeff Johnson's like, I don't even remember, was that the script? Was that the, I don't even know who did that. I'm like, yeah, that was one of the versions of the script. So I thought that was, that was funny, them not even realizing where it came from. But I thought like, that is, that's how you do a reference. None of this like, what are you, Clark, a man of steel? Like that, that's, no. I roll my <laughs> eyes at that. This is clever, right? Because people are coming from the future. It's so good. But we have Lana and Clark uh, at the barn cleaning up. I guess they're done at the hospital and they're back here. And I don't think they were cleaning up, man. Well, they were looking around. I don't know what they were doing. Okay. Well, Clark was looking for. He's out trying to look for Chloe. He says they that were. He, he looked in touring the riot zones. scene. Okay. They were gravely <laughs> assessing the devastation. Upstanding mayor stuff. There it is. <laughs> but uh, you know, Chris Lana Leg is back. What are your thoughts on her? Um, you know, I have a. a a complicated perspective on Lana Lang, especially by this point in time of the show, just because my defense mechanism as a Superman fan 
was up. Like I would talk to, I think I've, I've alluded to this with you before, but I would talk to people who are primarily Smallville fans who came in the show and it's like, yeah, welcome to the Superman family who would then defend to the death to me that Clark and Lana belong together in the end. <laughs> and I'm like, no, no, no this is that's not how okay, this we stick, works. We stick to the, we stick to the mythology here. Don't we Lance? <laughs> not how it works. So like, I, I, I don't know. Like I, I, I have this, it's, it's a relic of my having to defend that Superman, that Clark ultimately ends up with Lois Lane. The way that they utilized her in the show at the beginning, you know, it was was pretty classic, I think, in terms of the role that Lana played. As time goes on, her importance to the show, I think, worked against the way that they developed the character a little bit. I give them credit for making her more than a damsel in distress and trying to, to go further and giving her greater agency. But it did, at least for me, get to the point of preposterousness by the time you have like the ISIS Foundation come into the mix. And, uh, you know, it's like they're trying to quasi turn her into Oracle while Chloe is there. And <laughs> yes, that, it's just, it just <laughs> it seemed like it got a little crowded. So it's not like I was happy to see her go because I think Kristen Crook is a great actress. But I was at least a little relieved to see that position maybe more fully go toward Chloe by the time we got to season eight. But her appearance here, I think, was welcome. You know, I think it helped to make this episode in particular feel like a bigger event over the course of the show up to this Mm. point in time. Lana's return, or at least for a full episode, because she showed up halfway through the last episode. And this is her being there. Plus, you know, uh, Jimmy, Chloe, Tess... And Oliver, four of your main characters do not appear in this episode, which yeah. you understand why. I mean, it's a crowded episode. I mean, you, you got the Legion of Superheroes here. <laughs> That's three yeah. people that you need to give attention to. It's, it's interesting that uh, Jeff Johnson, I've, I got to stop mentioning this commentary. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is why I stopped watching these for these podcasts. I'm like, well, you know, Jeff Loeb said, oh, you know, it's like, no, these are our thoughts and things. But th- again, it, when it's relevant to what we're talking about, Jeff Johns did said, he's like, yeah, I was really hoping to write for Lois and Jimmy. Uh, it's too bad they were in this episode. Oh, Tess too. I really like her. I'm like, well, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but we had that, that contract where they can only be in so many episodes. And I wonder if Jeff Johns knew that that wasn't really Jimmy <laughs> because I- <laughs> well, if you want to bring back Mount Rushmore, nice. But that's the thing because uh, Chloe's in danger this episode, and you know he's talking off. The, Jeff Johns is talking about that, and he's like, "You know, Chloe's one of these characters where because you know Lois and Jimmy are going to be okay, but Chloe's a character you don't know the future of. You could do anything with her." I'm like, oh, "Is Jimmy okay? I don't think Jimmy's okay." <laughs> but yeah, to your to your point, Chris. Uh, well, Clark and Lana kind of comfort each other. Clark uh, he searched through. Three time zones for Chloe. Mm-hmm. Is that it? I could have searched through three time zones, and I'm not super. <laughs> but just, but uh, I mean, I why would he think to go to the fortress, which is where they are? I'm not going to hold that against him. I'd be like, why would they go to my home base? <laughs> this monster who just stole my friend. But they they kind of comfort each other. Like, hey, the important thing is, you know, the Chloe needs us both, and they embrace. And she's going to go off to the ISIS Foundation. Yep. Uh, to do some do some research, Lance. What'd you think of that? I mean, we got to have the founder of ISIS go back to the location of the main headquarters of ISIS. May only make sense. We're gonna get flagged. (laughs) I didn't create security. I didn't create it. ISIS was an Egyptian cat. Okay, (laughs) don't blame Smallville. That's actually a problem that Archer ran into later too. 
Mm. Because they were like ISIS was like their spy agency. Yeah. Mm. Then actual ISIS came about and they had to call it something different because it got a little too real. It is ISIS the name of Gary Seven's cat, Chris, on Star Trek? Yes, I okay. think so. Yeah. Yeah, there it is. Well, it's everywhere. Yeah. It is. Can't escape it. Can't escape it. So anyway, <laughs> Lana's gonna go. That's interesting you point that out, Chris. You're right. They Lana founded ISIS and had this super computer room. But then like it is more appropriate for Chloe to do that. So when Lana leaves, it's natural for her to take it over. But now Chloe's you know gone, you know, possessed by Brainiac, and like Lana's like, okay, I'm gonna log on and do all this stuff. I'm like, oh, that's right, you did do this in season seven. This is kind of yeah. your thing. Like you, you made Chloe, you, you made Chloe Lois, and then made Lois Chloe, and then made <laughs> Turn on and Oracle, yeah, and then Chloe into. <laughs> Come on, man. And doesn't the ISIS Foundation just kind of fall off by the time they all move to the Watchtower? Uh, yeah, no, I think this is the last season of it because they're in they're yeah. in that you know Henry James yeah. Olsen was rich apparently uh, right. and bought that building mm-hmm. for them, and. Uh, <laughs> That's where they all are, the rest of the show. Yeah. I, I think they get rid of this. You know what would have been nice for them to turn that ISIS Foundation set into is like an apartment for someone to live in Metropolis so they're not going two hours, two yeah. hours, which they reestablished two episodes ago. Metropolis is two hours away. They should have done that. Anyway, we're getting <laughs> in the weeds here, and we're not even getting started, so let's keep moving. <laughs> the Persuader shows up to kill Clark, or yeah. so we think. Holy Persuader. Cow. I had never heard of this guy before. Well, what did you guys think of him showing up? Oh, mind-blowing. Did we watch this together? I don't think so. Okay. Because I think I think I had in my head when I saw you next was, you know, Batista, just because he's a big old guy. <laughs> that, would, that would have been a good – see, that would have been a good WWE SmackDown yeah. tie-in, like casting yeah. anyone. But I guess he was in the – his face was covered. He's in the episode so shortly being kind of a waste. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anything about Batista was in static for like five minutes. So. Yeah, exactly. But no, but it was definitely cool to see Persuader like on Smallville. Had you heard of him before? I have. Okay. I was like, is that Steel? <laughs> Why are you no. trying to kill Superman? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, he, Persuader had not been used all that much around this time in the comics. He showed up again. Like, uh, I think it was the Teen Titans Legion crossover that Johns and Mark Wade had a hand in, in writing together. But I don't think he was, like, actually in the the, the three-boot series. But uh, And then he showed up again in, like, uh, Legion of Three Worlds. And I think I don't – because I saw him in Legion of Three Worlds, I went back and I read some, like, Jim Shooter, Kurt Swan, Paul Levitt stuff and saw him there. And it was not too long before this episode aired. So when he showed up and when they name-dropped him, I was like, wow, okay. There's Ooh. some – that's that's, like – and I don't want to spend too much time on it, but the fact that you had like a full, fully formed supervillain appear in Smallville to me was a big deal because of that WBification or CWization that the show would often. And granted, they applied it to the Legion, but still seeing a character, a fully formed character who understands in the moment who he's looking at and who he's attacking. That was a great moment of connective tissue that I wish was more persistent throughout the entirety of the show. Yeah, that's a good call. It's fair. And he has a super weapon as an axe. Yeah. yeah. 
that pierced his skin. And oh yeah, that's the Make other thing, bleed, right? right? Like yeah. you, like he actually hurts Clark. It's my right? blood, and you know he makes him bleed his own blood. And <laughs> so again, like when I see him, and I was like, well, this is because I remember like a like a really cool looking splash page of him. It, it's it's from some from probably from that Teen Titans um, crossover, but. You know, seeing it was like, this is this is cool. And also it's like, this is a deep cut, right? Like, because because not many people, would have, not many people watching this at the time knew that like Persuader was a thing. They might, Some people might have thought that he was like a character they just made up for this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Played by Frazier Acheson, a stuntman uh, who was in Watchmen, Man of Steel, Godzilla, Peacemaker, Superman, Lois, Batwoman. This guy's over the place. So cool. Uh, Works in Vancouver. Yeah. yeah, clearly, yeah. <laughs> you know, hardworking actor, if there ever was one up there. So, so good for it. And, you know, imposing presence, right? Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, if I were Clark, I'd be worried too, because this yeah. guy just hit me with an axe. And, you know, that's, it's not meteor rock, you know, I mean, who knows? But it's, it's, it's like with the, the atomic structure or something, Lightning Lad explains it later, but that's how he can cut through even something as dense as Superman's uh, skin. And that's, it's going to take him longer to heal too, right? And he would have died. If not, or maybe not. I don't know. Like his initial, so we find out because when he shows up, I'm like, oh man, he just destroyed Clark's like memento chest. As a collector myself, that would be like the most heartbreaking thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> he destroyed my map of the Kawachi Caves. How am I going to find my way around there now? But uh, he destroys John Jones' Phantom Zone crystal, which I guess Clark just kept it after he, him and Kara used it to get rid of Fayora. Sure. Who told you to destroy the crystal? I didn't tell you to destroy the crystal. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Phil Morris as Martian Roundhunter. Um, but he has it there. And uh, we see it get destroyed, and you think it's just collateral damage, right? So you you follow, like, oh, okay. And you follow that away. Right? And then the Legion comes in and saves Clark. So the Legion of Superheroes shows up <laughs> and saves Clark's life. I'm like, this is amazing. <laughs> Great characters introduced in Smallville. Being the comic historian, you are, Chris. feel like they did a good job with them. Uh, yeah, I do. Especially considering that um, this was really a time where the Legion was coming back in a big way. Um, like right after Infinite Crisis, which is like around 2006, Mark Wade started a new volume of the Legion title that was kind of in its own continuity. And it did its own thing for a while. But then Um, I think it was in relatively early 2007, there was a crossover between Justice League and Justice Society. So Justice League was written by Brad Meltzer at the time and Justice Society was written by Jeff Johns. And they did a story called The Lightning Saga that um, involved the Legion and it eventually allowed for the return of Wally West as the Flash. And it was a really cool story. And that was like the pre-crisis Legion. Um, And that ended up being like the first part of a three-part uh, story that Johns would do with the Legion. The next one was Superman and the Legion of Superheroes with Gary Frank. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a very, I think that was a really popular story, but it also just brought people back to the Legion. It introduced Superman fans to the artwork of Gary Frank. And Johns, who's a huge DC Comics fanatic and continuity expert, at least in my estimation, uh, brought them back in a in a big way and it was a powerful story i think it was a really great reading experience yeah absolutely then they rounded it out in final crisis legion of three worlds with johns and the great george perez and uh that was also a really great story so this was like in the middle of the legion's return to prominence 
So the fact that you had the comic book writer who was charged with bringing them back actually write this episode absolutely adds a a greater degree of authenticity to the entire proceeding. And that was, I mean, that was the thing that made me so excited and optimistic about Smallville post season seven was the fact that they were going to bring in Jeff Johns and potentially connect more to the things that I, as a comic book fan, wanted them to connect more to, and that's the Superman mythology. And this episode didn't disappoint me. Yeah. Lance, what was your kind of background with the Legion up till this? Up until this point? Well, I was, you know, I was aware of the the raid run at this point because the, the one they could, there was a, a nickname for his his run. Was it the, the three, three boot? Three boot? Three boot. That's yeah. what it was. Yeah. Um, and I was I was into that for a little bit. But the other part that, you know, got me and other people excited about this, you know, coming into it and the Legion in general, because the Legion was a, a pretty good selling title at this particular point in time, as I recall. But one of the one of the factors of that was that it was referenced a lot on the OC, which was still going on at this point, because the characters were reading the Legion. And so they would mention it like off, you know, all, a lot. And they would show the actual physical books that they were reading, like just having them in their rooms and stuff um, all of the time. So, you know, Ben McKenzie and, and um, Anna Brody were were, were, you know, fans of this comic. And so he was getting free publicity through another really popular TV show at the time. Hmm. So, yeah, the Legion of Superheroes, what show are we watching? And this is the show that we always like, again, if Smallville was like a 10 episode, five season miniseries, like this is, this is the kind of sh- this is the kind of stuff that would be happening every episode. It'd be fantastic. And, uh, you know, much like Superman's Secret Origin, which which I like quite a bit. Jeff Johns, you know, I say that like recent origin story. There's been like five reboots since then, but big part is reincorporating the legion into the mythology because that's something like the superboy it's like uh, like like him being superboy in smallville is always like it's such a silver age idea obviously that's where it came from but if you think that logically through it's like wait a minute clark kent's from smallville and superboy was there like i understand jettisoning that character from continuity and i think the great loophole is like oh well he was superboy with the legion of superheroes in the future <laughs> and he was never flying around Smallville. i thought that was a very clever Mm-hmm. jettisoning of that can you imagine if the internet existed in 1978 and they made superman the movie and like what, what what do you mean there's no superboy <laughs> i have 400 superboy comics at home are you telling me that those don't matter like, it would just be chaos you know just as a quick aside i think secret origin is actually even now the most complete document of superman's origin story like there's mm. tweaks to the details but like john's doomsday clock kind of reestablished secret origin okay there hasn't really been another major origin story told since then at least inside the dc universe so it's a good book it's a good book i like it quite a bit it's it, it's very different than birthright yeah but mm-hmm. i'm glad they both exist because sure right oh, I mean, totally. we're telling different origins uh yeah anyway i big jeff john's fan so i i love secret origin but uh but yeah, that, that that loophole of the legion right but but that's not happening here no flights, no tights. We know what we're all about. They say it in this episode. They say it several times, actually. He's nothing like the Man of Steel. We'll get there. But the fact that these guys are here and they they have their powers, Lightning Lad, Cosmic Boy, and Saturn Girl. And uh, Saturn, Saturn Girl is from Saturn, right? Sounds like an obvious question, but is she? No, no. <laughs> like, I least... thought she was a fill-in-the-blank alien name. I don't, I I haven't read the original Legion stories in a very long time, but she was from, oh crap. 
I can't remember it off the top of my head. Well, but you would they, think she'd be from Saturn. You, you would. She she named, doesn't she name the planet that she's from in this episode? I think episode? she does, because they're all talking about the different planets they come from. Now I but I just, it occurred to me, I'm like, why are you Saturn girl then? Because Saturn looks cool. It does look cool. It's a cool logo. <laughs> no. I think, uh, oh, uh, Titan. Okay. Largest moon of Saturn. Okay. So... You were, yeah, you're right. Maybe she didn't mention that she was from Titan. This is an auto binder character too. So I was always like the thing that was always in my head and clearly it was just in my head was that like the Saturn is representative of how her brain works. Like that's, that's, that's what I always took away from it. But clearly that wasn't right. <laughs> that's cool. Headcanon is amazing. I love it. Yeah. Oh, it's crazy. How, <laughs> what your mind constructs around mm-hmm. little details. But no, let's talk about the costumes. These heroes show up, and yes, it is a CWification to a point of them, but Lance, I think these are pretty faithful costumes and adaptions of what they wear in the comic books. I agree. And like, if, if there was a, a Smallville version of those costumes, this is it. And it's it works. And I think they work better than the, you know, the, the Justice League costumes that, you know, Oliver and his team are, are running around in. Hmm. I don't know. That's a That's a... That's tough because they I are mean, out, like outside of outside jackets. of yeah I mean outside of 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 Oliver's but just like look if you stand if you stand afar and look at them it's like oh they're wearing a superhero costume but like with the others it's like well this is it's kind of like a like a track uniform with it's a over designed hoodie yeah and, <laughs> and so, sunglasses and you, for some reason and you can tell and you can tell that from afar but like from them you could from afar you'd be like well this looks like a superhero costume mm-hmm. now they are from the future so that helps too. Mm-hmm. Sunglasses so is like a replacement for a domino mask. Never flew with me, but well, it's a heads-up oh. display, Chris. It, oh, right, yeah, it helps, right. It helps the green arrow aim very simple targets. Yeah, nah. <laughs> and then he that, immediately rips them off. Yeah, yeah, in the field. <laughs> Can't see in these things. <laughs> Dark helmet over here. Yeah. He's taking the mask off. <laughs> At least he can breathe. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. true. <laughs> You know, that's I. Uh, you might be right. I think the Legion. I think you. I think you nailed it, man. I think the Legion costumes are better than the Proto Justice League we have here. And yeah, I mean, Light, Lightning Lad has his little lightning bolts. Looks like a big San Diego Chargers fan. You know, yeah. uh, what are the L.A. Chargers now? They're the L.A. Chargers now. <laughs> Whatever city. Yeah. In two thousand eight, they were the San Diego Chargers. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Saturn girls got her little Saturn uh, T-shirt, and then. Uh, Cosmic Boy probably is the best looking one. It just looks like a just a real classy alien costume I'd see on Star Trek or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think they do a good job establishing what their powers are all off the top and then kind of showing whenever you introduce a team of superheroes like that, you kind of need to like, okay, everybody do your thing so we can kind of figure out what you are. And I, you know, and their names are lightning lad self-explanatory. The other two probably need a little more uh Cosmic boy, Let's yeah, because his powers are magnetic, kind of generic. And, like, so, we'll so call it's you kinda, Magneto. Yeah, I can't do <laughs> that. Professor X and Magneto are here because they literally turn her into Professor X. I mean, maybe that is, I mean, it is what she is, but like the just the way they're putting the fingers to her temples, it's very James McAvoy, Professor X. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, I mean, I, w- I was generally okay with the way that they appeared. You have to grade on a curve, I think, when it comes to Smallville. Representations. What do you mean? <laughs> How dare you, sir? <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm sorry, but but no. I mean, considering uh, just in turn, like it, I think that when it comes to adapting any comics character, you just have to get like the basic tenets 
of the look in order to make it convincing so you know oh that's who that is like i would never be confused about who is who between the three of them like it it clearly delineates who they are and what more can you ask you know it's it's why the ninja turtles had to get different color you know bandanas right yeah exactly so quick word on the the actress we have ryan kennedy as cosmic boy uh he was in 11 episodes of hellcats so I guess he left an impression with Tom, who was the executive producer of Hellcats. He did. I know him from other things, actually. Is it, what, is he in some Hallmark Christmas movies, or what is he in? Not Hallmark Christmas movies, just other Hallmark movies. He's in okay. the Mr. Darcy series. Okay. And he's the best friend character. Mr. Darcy, by the way, is a dog. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he's in Tin Star, whatever that is. Um, Whistler. Anyway, he's he's got a good credit. He was in an episode of Blade the Series, by the oh. way. Jeff Johns. He played, oh, Jeff Johns wrote for Blade the Series? Yeah, he was, I think he was a producer on Blade the Series, if I'm remembering right. Might have to check that out after all. Is that the show with Sticky Fingers? (laughs) Yeah, it was. Excellent. Yeah, he was, he was an EP, because Marv and Goyer helped develop that, so they had a report. Okay, cool. Uh, He played uh, uh, Kane in Blade the Series, so... You know, I, I I laughed when I saw that on the shelf, like as the Blade Four movie collection with like the pilot of Blade the series. But <laughs> I laughed too soon. Perhaps I judged you too harshly, Blade the series. I haven't even seen it. But it's but I think of RoboCop the series. I'm like, I'm not. I'm, I don't know. Do I want to see Blade like that? But so that's Ryan Kennedy. Of course, he reappears in Doomsday to tell Clark there's nothing on this earth that will stop him from killing you, which was, that was a lie. The lie detector determined that was a lie. <laughs> Cue the Maury there. Um, Alex Johnson plays Saturn Girl. She uh, was in a show called Instant Star, where Laura Vandervoort played her sister. Nice. <laughs> and they're both in like 50 episodes of that show. So I never heard of her before. Apparently she was like a, like a pop star. In in Canada, so kind of a name of the time, uh, but that 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 show Instant Star is, is her is her claim to fame. Is that why she spells her name with an X and a Z at the end of her name? Perhaps. Okay. Not going to forget that. No. We have Callum Worthy, uh, who plays Lightning Lad. Uh, he uh, some Pacific Rim, The Black, which is a cartoon tie into the Pacific Rim movie. So the second one directed by Stephen S. Knight of Smallville fame. Hmm. My wife Sarah was watching this with me, and she's like, "What was this like Weasley brother doing in the show?" And I was like, "Yeah, I guarantee you this guy tried out for Ron Weasley. <laughs> you could have played, you could have played General Hux in the sequel trilogy. You played your cards right, Caliburly." But um, hey, hot take: uh, If Smallville was ever going to cast a real Jimmy Olsen, they should have cast this guy. Yeah, hmm? like fantastic. Like I'm like, he's a Superman fan. He's got this youthful energy. I I got a good Jimmy Olsen vibe from him. Younger, obviously that helps with the dynamic. But uh, anyway, I think uh, of the three, I think Callum Worthy leaves the best impression, the strongest impression. I think his Lightning Lad's the most like, I don't know, he just, he has the most kind of fandom and the disappointment and commentary. Like we were saying earlier, we'll get into a couple of scenes here where he's literally voicing the fan theories of the internet. Um, But I think he, to me, he left the strongest impression of the three. And I liked all three of them, but I think he left the strongest impression. Yeah, I mean, Lightning Lad... He's a character that in terms of like those three has the highest level of energy, right? I think that even when you read Legion stories where Rock, Imra, and Garth are all there, like Garth jumps out at you. Like he's just, he's, 
as the kids today would say, he's very extra, right? Very. And I'm, the only reason I know that is because my nieces, but uh, <laughs> oh my God, I'm really not cool. Chris, it's okay. I'm a teacher. Like I hear it all the time. I hear, cool, cool, I cool. hear all, all of right. the new slang and don't know what most of it means. Excellent. So okay. They, they don't even say on fleek anymore. I thought I was cool and hip saying that, but apparently no, that's- No, man. That, that, oh, is, that is long too. gone. That one's long gone. All right. Well, Lance, I'm going to have to hit you up in the future to translate some things for me. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> but no, I mean, like, and, and Garth is probably one of my more favorite Legion characters anyway. So the fact that he jumps out as much as he does and that he gives voice to things that have always been there, that had always been in the back of my mind watching the show. Yeah, that endeared me to him a lot. But Clark's like, hey, well, who are you people? <laughs> like, what's going on here, right? They're like, we're from the 31st century. He has an atomic axe. Don't worry about it. 31st century. I like that they kept that they were from the 31st century. I don't know why the Flash changed Eobard Thawne to be from the 20, like, second century instead of the 25th. Like, yeah. I don't know why. That's a change. You never, you're never going to show us the future. We know, CW. We've been down this road. We do, we're down this road in this very episode. We know we're never going to the future. You don't have to worry about showing us Coruscant or something on a right. CW budget. Yeah. Just let them be from the far future. Right? It just, I'm, so I, Smallville, thank you for making them from the 31st century because that is such like a – that's such a, like a number that you associate with these characters. And I'm glad yes. they didn't change it for what it's worth. Yeah. I think it's just like we're the Legion of Superheroes. Is that how we cut to the opening credits? Or something like that. I can't believe we're still <laughs> – we're going to move faster through <laughs> no, this. I'm sorry. There's a lot of heavy lifting off the top we had to discuss. <laughs> Where's your cape was the last line before. That's yeah. what it is. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah, they get the explanation of who they are, where they're from after the after the, the song. Oh, okay. Yeah, a little a little bit. They go into a little bit more detail. Yeah, it's like, where's your cape? You haven't met Tom Welling, my friends. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, we go to the open credits. We come back and uh, Clark's like, what, what? you know, typical confused, you know, Clark doesn't know what's going on. It's so, even at the very end, it's, it's so interesting. Like, this is so... And this is the strength of Tom Willing, like not wanting to know anything about these characters. He has no idea what's going on. Like at the end, he's like, it's weird to talk to people who know everything about yourself and you don't know anything. I'm like, that is, that was his approach, but it was perfect for this character. Like he was so, he says that, but he's so correct. He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa Clark doesn't know this stuff. I don't want to know either. It's hmm. like Christopher Reeve is trying to tell him some stuff. He's like, no, no, no I don't want to hear that. Hmm. It's like, okay, but it works. Um, Garth about to just name drop Superman here. We can't have that. It's like in the future, you'll win known as <laughs> they have to cut him off. Like, dude, got rules against it. Like, even like Cosm was like, hey, don't touch anything, don't mess with the timeline. Like, that is a th- that's gotta be your number one. If you're gonna go meet young Clark Kent, you can't be saying, Hey, you're gonna be Superman one day. You can't be doing that. Come on. Nah. But you buy the lightning lab would be the one to do it, right? Because he's so giddy about the whole situation. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I think they say something about they're like, hey, one of the number one Legion rules is we can't interfere because Clark wants him to help. And he's like, I don't care about your Legion rules. Yep. <laughs> the code, the Legion code. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a thing. It's a thing. Which is established in this episode. See, that's and that's what's so interesting about this one. Like, sure, like they're like, well, dude, you're not the Superman we know. But through the events of this episode, he shows them like what their number one rule should be. Yeah. Uh, and that's like the, the, they both they both influence each other, which I think is important because it would be so simple. For these heroes to roll in here and be like, God, Clark, get your act together, right? What are you, right? And there was a little bit of that, but like it's kind of been fun and we all know, but like at the end of the day, like he is Superman. He has his legacy for thousands of years, hundreds of years, thousands of years. There's a reason that he's so revered and that he puts that on display here and teaches them a lesson, which I think is so important. And that's how it's supposed to be, you know? I mean, you go back to early Legion stories when 
they were interacting and i mean he still has that revered place and it's definitely something that john's played with when he had the legion is that he learns something from them and it's reciprocated and there's a like they they play an important part of building up the hero that superman will become and you really see it in secret origin but that was one of the things that john's plugged back in to superman's history after infinite crisis because like you said before it had been extricated um probably because of the popularization of the the original reeve movie but uh i think john's was like that student of the silver age that really wanted to see those components sort of plugged back into the the history of superman and it worked really well in the comics why not apply that same principle to uh, another story that deals with a young Clark Kent? There's nothing restricting that. It's just other writers, at least in my opinion, didn't have the desire, maybe even the knowledge of, of the history to, to want to bring that to the Smallville version of the character. So that's one of the other reasons why I'm glad that he jumped in when he did. Yeah, once again in the commentary, Jeff Johns, you know, he he said he he, he kind of had known the producers and stuff in the past, and you know, like socially but not like professionally. And they're like, "Hey, is, come on, right for Smallville," and and so they sit down in, this first, in the first meeting, and they're like, "Oh, so what, Justice League?" He's like, "No, Legion." And he's like, "I don't think any of them knew who the Legion were." <laughs> I'm like, "I believe <laughs> Makes it." Makes sense. Yeah, you know, I, believe I believe it. it. Yeah. Ironically, Chris, as you explained that about the the reboot of, of Superman and erasing Superboy again. Um, that's 1986, 1985, 1986. I think it went across two years. Christ on Infinite Earths. 85. Yeah. Okay. 85. Okay. Uh, <laughs> 1988, Superboy, the TV show. Right. What are you doing? <laughs> we just erased you. They Why do you have a show? They weren't reading John Byrne, I guess. <laughs> guess but, not. Uh, but Deborah Joy Levine was. Yes. She's like, so, no, he was never a Superman until yeah. <laughs> this moment in the pilot. Anyway. So good. So you, you, we've mentioned Superman and the Legion of Superheroes, the, the Jeff Johns, Gary Frank uh, run a few times. Uh, they take some of those threads and put them in here. Like the, the, the persuader, he's part of the human separatist movement, you know, a xenophobic movement who, you know, wants to earth is for humans and all that. And again, this is science fiction at its best, right? You take social issues of today, right? And you apply them into a, you know, a, a science a science fiction field and like, hey, look, this is what's going on. Like these people, the racists, okay? That's basically what they are, right? And Superman's like, no, that's wrong. And the most perverted thing the whole thing in the comic run, like they've spread disinformation about history. Ah, right anyone of things going on. Uh they spread disinformation about history and they don't even know Superman's an alien in the future. Yeah. Right? Because he like stands up for them like, what are you doing, man? You're one of us. He's like, no, 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 I'm an alien. And anyway. Earthman who ran the Justice League of Earth, that human supremacist movement, they even wore patches with the S on it because they tried to reclaim that that symbol for themselves in a perverted way, you know. So that was Man. one of the coolest parts of that story when Superman himself actually does show up and the cops are shooting at like a they're like arrested aliens who yeah are he stops them yeah they're superman's for us he's for humans and then he stops them and he was injured earlier and the shot takes the badge off and he just goes i'm for everyone i love that moment yeah it's a it's a shame that in these in these stories that that talk about topical issues and talk about things that we're that we the collective we are struggling with it's a shame that with the amount of these stories that are out there Nobody seems to learn from them. 
that's the worst part about all of this. Like everything through the early Star Trek, through this, through current stuff, nobody seems to get it. And it just if we just if we just keep we just keep doing it. And it's just like and, and, and the, the, the funny thing, I guess, because because you got to laugh sometimes, um, is that some of the people who like clearly in the wrong and are praising like people like Superman is like, y'all, y'all really don't get it, do you? Like, mm. it's just like, man, like, just like figure it out. <laughs> like, you just want to like shake them, like figure it out. But they don't. Well, now all those people that did get it wrong have their own podcast where they oh, you know, yeah. amplify mm. that's correctness right. and, and, and complain about. Uh, a more a truthful representation by saying no that's that's the wrong version my mm. version is right that's Where right he hates everybody i guess i i don't know i, I don't know <laughs> well i'm glad we don't live in the 31st century we don't have those problems here I don't know what you guys are. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, but no th- th- that's that's a little thread that you know they they pull from from that you know that particular story and then they yeah. they could have followed up on the future that again we're not going to the future Right, even at the end, they're like, "We well, hope to see you again." No, we're not going there, dude. The budget's going down. <laughs> okay, like it's not going up. But uh, but that that added some context. Like, it wasn't just like random villain of the week to kill Superman, or it was like, no, this guy was his objective. And apparently, that's what's interesting. So you thought the the, the crystal, the, the the Phantom Zone crystal, was just collateral damage. You no, know, uh, uh, Cosmic Boy sees it. He's like, "Oh no, we can't," because they're gonna leave. Like, "Hey, sorry, we can't help you with a friend. We gotta go. Like, we're gonna interfere with time." He's like, "My my best friends are missing. Like, sorry, it's not a." It's not our concern. We got to stick to the rules, right? Good thing Cosmic Boy saw this crystal. They've been really screwed. Uh, but he sees this damaged crystal. He's like, well, no, no, we can't go anywhere. Like, this is what Kal-El uses to defeat Brainiac. Like, this is a historic day, right, in, in history, right? That was Persuader's, like, mission. I was like, okay, first of all, destroy that. And, oh, great, Superman's here, too. I guess I might as well kill him while he's here. Right? That's probably his, you know, secondary uh, goal, which which is pretty cool. I don't know, but who knows, you know, uh, all that stuff, but it's cool that you can just kind of like fill in this, this greater epic story going on. It's like Terminator, right? This is epic story going on in the future, and then it kind of bleeds into the present. So that that's a really cool factor in all this as well. Yes, they can't leave because they 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 might not have a future to go home to, as they say later. Because if if, if uh, history changes, then everything's going to change. If if, if Kal El does not defeat Brainiac on this day, no, I mean it's a good way to set up the stakes. I think that the confrontation with Persuader also helped Clark to realize the seriousness because like, I don't know if persuader is necessarily a Superman level villain, but he's certainly batting at a higher level than a lot of other people that Clark faces over the course of the show up to this point. So like persuader is a guy that Superman would probably be able to take down in relatively short order, but confronted with that level of supervillainy right now, especially when he's so disoriented after everything that happened, it was a good way to maybe, you know, be a little bit of a slap across his face to say, hey, you need to you need to focus on this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Clark had been humbled a little bit just by being tossed around like he was nothing against Doomsday in the last episode. And uh, before that, he was like, whatever's coming, I'll face it like everything else, right? And to his, I mean, he's Superman, right? He doesn't have any real issues and with, with these kinds of things. And, and yeah, he, this Persuader is a step up from a, just a freak of the week, right? So Yeah. yeah. But then we cut to uh, the Fortress of Solitude. Davis wakes up. He, he's, uh, you know, werewolf Davis Bloom here is woken up back in his human form. And uh, <laughs> this reveal of Chloe in the shadows, I was like, we, we, we saw that she was kind of possessed <laughs> last episode just thinking this is not a reveal for us it's a reveal for david it's like oh chloe thank god you're okay yeah it's like no 
<laughs> Chloe's not here right now. Um, I'm the brain interactive construct. He's like, what are you talking about? So the, I feel again. I feel sorry for Davis. He has no idea what's going on. <laughs> he's woken up in this alien ice palace with this girl he has a crush on, and now she's possessed by an alien computer. Yeah. <laughs> Part of my thoughts when I was watching this, I was like, poor Davis, because he's probably like, this is a little weird, but also kind of hot. And I'm not exactly sure how I feel about this. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's I think it was appropriately unsettling. I can I can see how like Davis would be super disoriented by what not just because of where he is, but. It's like conceivably the object of his affection is all of a sudden sounding like an alien supercomputer and yeah. uh, might be a little, little disorienting and maybe even a little disconcerting if I were to guess. So uh, yeah, it was a good way to, to, to keep things moving along. But I remember watching this. I was just kind of like, okay, let's get back to the Legion, back to the Legion, <laughs> move through it here. Well, what's interesting about Allison Max performance series, like I, I think she's really channeling James Marsters. I, I really can like sure. I, because like when you have you know the ultimate example of this is Transference in season mm-hmm. four, where, where Clark is Lionel and Tom Welling is playing John Glover. That's Tom Welling's best performance of the show. He'll tell you as such. That's his favorite episode. That's true. Although now that he's going through Talkville, he might have, have different favorite ones. episodes, which <laughs> he might remember more as he goes. But um, yeah, I, I think she's doing a great job of channeling James Marsters. Like, I, it's subtle. Like, I can't really tell you exactly what it is, but I'm like, oh, I can see that character we saw as Brainiac, like, on the show in season five and seven here through her. Uh, so I think she's doing a good job of that. And and also, like, Chloe is one of these characters who I, who I realize, like, I was, like, going down the list of everyone who's had Clark's powers, right? Clark, obviously. Lex, mm-hmm. when he was Zod. Jonathan, right? Joel gave him superpowers. Lois gets him in the second to last episode of the show. Lana gets them and 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 uh, Wrath right when they get the lightning strike and stuff. So so many main characters. Lionel gets possessed by Jarrell. <laughs> so like all these main mm-hmm. Sam Weber is Doomsday. So you know Zod is all these characters. I was like, oh, Chloe didn't get any powers. So typical, right? No, she actually has all the Kryptonian powers here because she's Brainiac. So I thought yeah. see her super speeding around and being super strong and that kind of stuff. That like, oh yeah, I guess I guess she did get to do that. But, but anyway, I um. You could think of it being a like sometimes when characters get possessed, obviously possession count plus one here. It's like, <laughs> here we go again, Smallville. We don't have the budget for Zod, so I guess Michael Rosenbaum's going to be Zod or something, right? But the the fact that Brainiac is in Chloe and using her as a as a vessel, right, a vessel. plays into the plot, right? Because even she tells him later, like, I knew you couldn't harm this vessel, I'm in. What are you going to do, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's actually pretty clever. Like that is a smart way to to have. Uh, a possession and have it not just be like a cheap way to not cast an actor. So, yeah, yeah. The normal like CW isms, right? In this case, it worked in their favor, right? And sometimes it, it worked. Most of the time, it did not. But this is one of those cases where it worked in their favor. So, kudos to them. Yeah, she was clearly perceptive in trying to get the ticks across. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, she she comes across not as Chloe. So yeah. <laughs> Yes, very much so. Uh, now, now she she's telling Davis like you no longer need your camouflage, which is interesting because I know that's something Sam Whitmer always kind of saw Davis as like he even used that in interviews and stuff. He's like, hey, he's just camouflaged to, to this to this alien monster. He's like, I w- w- like I have feelings for you, they're real. And she's like, feelings. <laughs> it's like that's just a program to get you to me. I'm like, yeah. He's like, you like that no makes a lot will. of sense. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, like, like, because you could be like, what's up with this weird like sort of love story going on here? Like between the two of them, this is inappropriate. Like. 
I get where Davis is coming from, obviously, but with Chloe, it's like, aren't you gay to Jimmy? Why are you even like, why are you putting in light bulbs and tables with this guy and all this stuff? But another in another season, another whatever, that would be a fan theory. Like, you know what? Wouldn't it be cool if like because Brainiac made Doomsday, like it was like a like a he's pulling her to him or whatever. No, like this says this right here. Like that was all part of the master plan of 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 getting Brainiac and, and drawing Doomsday to her, and because obviously he took her to the fortress anyway. I thought that was a pretty cool uh, story point there. Yeah, again, just one of the other things, just another thing in this episode that works. So from 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 the show that brought you the Veritas window in season seven comes. <laughs> we actually thought this through. So. But she explains he's going to go in a, in a chrysalis. It's going to take him twelve days, and then he's going to come a fully formed Doomsday. All right. How much you want to bet he doesn't get to be in the chrysalis those 12 days because we got <laughs> 10 more episodes to go, y'all. Uh, maybe 12 episodes, actually. Yeah. And <laughs> I think about it. But uh, he's a vital part of Brainiac's directive because he's going to destroy what's left of Earth when uh, she gets all the knowledge. So I, you know, great. Like, and Jeff Johns, okay, I'm sorry, but he said this in the commentary. <laughs> he was like, my, his approach here was like making Brainiac more like the comic book Brainiac. I'm like, yeah, like this is the I think it's the first time I've ever heard Brainiac talk about like knowledge and destroying the original source. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is what Brainiac is like uh, me and Trisha Ennis talked about this in Abyss. She was like, yeah, I like I like Brainiac, but I don't understand what his like goal is on Smallville. I'm like, you're right. It's like other than releasing Zod and like messing with Clark, like, I don't really know what your end game is. And this kind of uh, makes it all very clear that this is like very much the Superman the Animated Series Brainiac or the comic Brainiac. Well, yeah, because yeah, like Brainiac says like his his mission, like he flat out states it through Chloe a little like in in like two scenes from now. Right. When when he's just like a simple plan, observe and destroy. It's just like, yeah, that's it. Yeah. And I mean, it, it just shows the strength again of going to people who are charged with telling stories on a regular basis with these characters. Like they obviously know how to keep the machine moving and how to make things work. You go back to the library of, of Superman stories that have been written over the past now 80 plus years. And there's probably something there that can be worth adapting. And this episode arrived at a very interesting time. It was kind of an inflection point between like the old way of adapting these kinds of stories and a newer way that is more inclusive of the publication history. And it's really kind of shows the strength of incorporating more elements from the comics, especially which Johns is really good at in terms of like applying continuity to make other continuity make sense. Mm. That's the mm. name of the game with what see he did the Green Lantern. Lantern. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or, yeah. Yeah, and this doesn't contradict anything that came before the Brainiac. It's like, oh, we're finally no. getting to, like, I feel like we're finally, okay, Clark stopped him so early in all his plans, <laughs> he never got to this point. Like, that's the way I see it. It's like, oh, no, Zod didn't get out, or, oh, no, he destroyed the, my 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 liquid, <laughs> you know, or whatever, right, <laughs> vaporized. But now it's like, okay, my ultimate goal was to get all this out of the way. Now I can take all this knowledge and, and move on. And, and I, I, I love, I know my favorite version of Brainiac is the Superman the Animated Series one, because I think that distills it down to, like, perfection. It's a good word to use for the animated series. Yeah, absolutely. And and the more, hopefully we get more live action versions of Brainiac. I love the one on Krypton, but you know, we need, we need more than that. The more inspiration that they can take from that, I, th I think the better. So yeah. Jeffrey Combs did a pretty good job as Brainiac in Injustice 2. Oh, Jeffrey Combs. Mm -hmm. Star Trek connection. Oh, yeah. Of course he's Brainiac. <laughs> yeah. My man, Wayoon. <laughs> I don't know. I heard exactly. Lance Henderson did a pretty good Brainiac in Superman Brainiac Attacks. I can't wait to see it. <laughs> uh -oh. Anyway. 
So we're gonna put uh, we're gonna put Davis in this chrysalis, and then we'll check in with him later. But uh, then we go back to the Kent house, and uh, Clark's talking to Legion, and kind of the same stuff we were saying earlier. He's talking about, oh no, no, today's the day you're gonna destroy Brainiac, and uh, you, you can't destroy him without this crystal. And, and Lightning Lad's like, I failed history, even I know today's the day you defeat Brainiac. Yeah, <laughs> and they tell him like the only way to defeat Brainiac without killing the host is the crystal. So we don't have the crystal; you have to kill the host. And Clark's like, hmm. And Saturn Girl can like read his thoughts. And, she, and she's like, who's Chloe Sullivan? <laughs> Which leads into a whole thing we'll get to shortly. But apparently Clark just ran away after this. So we've got the, yeah. this is our rising action to cut to commercial, right? Uh, we cut back and we see Clark, bl- blue shirt, red jacket, plus one, running away, runs by the famous uh, overpass in Smovel. Everything happens here. <laughs> I love seeing this. Jeff Johns in the commentary said, yeah, it took us like a whole day to film this because the train kept coming by. <laughs> 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 because usually when they're there, it's like the middle of the night, right? Mm-hmm. But this is a day scene, right? So they, they, obviously there'd be trains coming by. And um, I love how like they fly and... He's running. He's running. They're like, what's with the... Uh... The ground transpo, yeah. <laughs> that, that's right. That's exactly... Mm. And he's like, no one is killing anyone, right? Because yep. he's like, why, why, you know, why'd you run away? It is weird to think he just ran away. Because <laughs> they're literally like, why did you run away? You can't just imagine Superman just running away from these people. <laughs> but I guess he was like, well, they're going to keep following me. I guess I'll stop and talk to them. Because he was going to go to the fortress to talk to Jarrell. Because uh, he's like, well, I just talked to him the other day. We're cool now. So maybe he can help me out with this, right? But Lightning Lads, you, you know, you can't fly? Clark's like, yeah, I can't fly. Like Lightning Lads, that's what's interesting about Lightning Lads in this episode. He is the most biggest Superman fanboy, and then because he doesn't live up to his expectations, he immediately turns on him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is, as fans, I understand. <laughs> we'll become more relevant in fan communities as time would go on. Right? It's all the end of the curve. But Clark, you know, he he catches Legion up on what's happened in the last three four episodes of Smallville. <laughs> he was like, well, Brainiac got in her head, and then she got super smart, but then I went to Jarrell and took out her memories, and da 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 and here we go. This is the big... I, I want to talk about this, right? They're like, that's interesting. We've heard of Lana Lang and Lois Lane and even Jimmy Olsen. Not the one you know, but a different one. <laughs> Again, did they know? Did they know? I don't know. But we've never heard of Chloe Sullivan. And it's dun, like, dun, dun. what are you doing, Joe? What are you trying to tell me with this? What do you guys think? I think it's an acknowledgement of... The fact that this was a character that was created in this show, um, I, for for whatever reason, my reaction to it when watching it, I remember very distinctly, it was just like, oh, these guys are from the DC universe, you know, because I certainly, you know, you don't hear of Chloe like she was she was sort of introduced into the comics later for, you know, 15 minutes. But I mean, at this point in time. Uh, for some reason, it made it feel like a more tangible connection to the world that I read every week. Um, in terms of like what it could have meant for her, it could have meant a whole number of things. You know, if she did go on to help Superman in uh, in his greater pursuits, then she could have done it really under the radar and in, in the ways that didn't survive the annals of history. Because of the time travel component, I never assumed that she was going to die or that she was really in any real danger to speak of. I just wasn't convinced that that was the case. So it was like a a dual reaction of, yeah, this is more connected to the mythology, but also, well, 
thousand years is a long time. Anything could have happened between now and then with her. No, and that's what's so interesting about this whole thing is like there's so many potential answers, and they actually talk about it in a second. But, but Lance, when you heard this in 2009, what, what was your thoughts? Well, I mean, it just goes back to our conversation, you know, in the last episode where we, in knowing that this was probably at the time the show was ending, and it's like, well, this is how they're, I guess they're riding Chloe off the show. And like, and my thought was like, well, I guess is she just going to go to the year 3000 uh, and win one and just and like they don't hear from like hear about her. But like she just goes to the future um, and that would and, have been or, a very that, or something I like that. right like and, and that's <laughs> and that's why they never heard of her because she she just you know, liked to get better or something like that. But it's just something that was never on the, the Legion's radar. That's what I was thinking at the time. It was like, well, she's not going to be Lois because Lois is here. Um, Are you sure? Uh, or like, you know, you, you know, we've heard we of never, Lois Lane, but never Chloe Sullivan. Maybe she changed her name to protect herself in the future. That was another thing. It's just like, so like, are they are they just like just saying all the, the fan theories that have been well, around that, at the time? That's exactly it's, what it's, they do. In the minute, but that's, I don't know. Like to me, I was like, this is interesting. Like we've tapped into something here. Like if you, if, if you really want to go there. But yeah. It's been a thousand years. Of course, there's figures in a thousand years ago, right? Who who was Marcus Aurelius's second Cousin. best friend or yeah. something, right? You know, I mean? it's like who knows, right? So that's interesting. We talk about because life is not like there's not historical documents and twenty four seven coverage of everybody's life and histor in history. Yeah, so of course, I, there's going to be aspects of people's lives you didn't know about. Exactly. Like I tell I, I tell my students that a lot because they ask sometimes like you know students ask very very interesting and thought provoking questions, and I mentioned it's like look like the people that we talk about in history are the ones that that did something of of consequence and in the grand total of the human timeline, right? That's not that many people. So we, we don't, we're not really talking about all that many people. Like, do you know how many people like have lived? <laughs> like it's, it's, it, there's so many, but the people that the amount of people that we talk about is really not that much in the grand scheme of things is just a handful. And so we, we know who Mozart is, right? We don't know about his cousins because his cousins didn't do anything as prolific as Mozart. Right. So it's so, so it's the same thing with like, you know, we know who Marcus Aurelius is, we don't know, you know, Joe Aurelius, like if there ever was one, right? Because he didn't do anything as as important as Marcus, right? So that's it, just it just is what it is. Well, if I, I think if this were like a season two episode of Smallville, it was more in the in the line of like New Kids in Town, where like they do all this stuff and they wipe everybody's memory and right mm -hmm. all that kind of thing, right? You could do that with Chloe, but at this point, she's so important, yeah. To everybody, to the Justice League, there would be some record of her existence. So to me, I'm like, oh, well, she's going to be Lois now. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't really think that at the time, but it, it added. I'll tell you what, being on Krypton site back in the day, that, that poured a whole new gallon of gasoline on that fire. Oh, you were and always like, holding oh, on to whoa, that whoa, one. Whoa, Chloe obviously becomes Lois anyway. That was the discourse of the time. The discourse yeah. of the time. They so. kind of painted themselves into a corner by this point, especially after having introduced Lois. Mm -hmm. And uh, clearly, she, Chloe is supposed to be an important presence in Clark's life. But yeah, then saying, well, she's not necessarily important to the legacy of Superman. I can see I wasn't on the Krypton site boards, but I was on the site a lot. But I can absolutely see how that would have been like a bomb going off in the forums. Back oh, yeah. That was a whole new life breathing that theory because up until mm. now, season eight, they've finally made Lois Lois. Yeah. yeah. Like they've like it, for all the criticisms I've made of the show's use of the character over the, the first, you know, her first four years on the show, seasons four through seven, season eight. Okay. You guys, you got it. Thank you. <laughs> you cleaned up. I don't really like how you just 
make Chloe not interested in her lifelong dream anymore, but oh, sure. Okay. Well, this is now like we were talking about earlier. Like you made her, her, and she's dad. And all, people are doing what the, their other people's roles were on the show. But at this point, Lois is Lois and we're good. Um, but basically, Saturn Girl's like, well, maybe she just got lost to history. And Clark's like, what do you mean? And Lightning Lad's like, I mean, she's going to die. <laughs> it's like, okay. Thanks, Lightning Lad. We have to kill Chloe Sullivan. Edith Keeler must die, Chris. That's where we are. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, leave it to Garth to to be like a blunt instrument in the room. Yeah, that, that tracks. That tracks. Notch it in another corner of truthfulness to the source. You know, Clark, Clark runs off. He's going to go to the, the fortress as he uh, intended. And lightly lad, he says, famous line for this episode, no glasses, no tights, no flights. He's nothing like the Man of Steel. <laughs> and this is you in your comic book shop back in 2009, isn't it, Chris? It is. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, like I said, I was getting impatient. So... This gave me quite a lot of hope when he said that line, because obviously the episode wasn't done yet, but it was like, oh, the show is reflexively acknowledging that it has some distance between its current conception of Clark Kent as we are right now in season eight and the man he's supposed to become. Maybe that means they're going to close the gap a little faster. Didn't really end up happening that way, (laughs) but it was nice to have them acknowledge that there was some distance to cover and yeah. um, John's himself would be a, a great steward of catching him up in a couple of places over the course of the next couple of years. So this was really encouraging to me. Uh, wasn't quite as much of a sign of things to come as I would have liked in retrospect, but I was very happy that they at least acknowledged it. Yeah. A little self-awareness goes a long way. Yeah, mm-hmm. most definitely. And, you know, speaking of the glass, the glass is the bare minimum they could have done. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. bare minimum. It's so frustrating. And speaking of, you know, more J- Jeff Johns episodes, Booster. Yeah. That's like the most like Tom Willing as Clark Kent episode ever. Mm-hmm. And he's so good. He's like, oh, I just had a milkshake and I needed a bathroom. And oh my God. I'm like, that's, <laughs> I want to see three years of that. It's so good. But anyway, I'm, sh- I'm sure there was like, a, well, I can't have, you can't have your main character wearing glasses. He's a sex symbol for the cw i mean i'm sure that was the thinking back then right but the world has changed okay nerds have inherited the earth and people love glasses well remember like you know like wearing wearing glasses meant that you were like you know automatically unattractive even though like in hollywood they would put like glasses on and an obviously attractive person and and people would like you would have to you would watch something and be like oh yeah that person's not hot it's like are you kidding me if anything it makes them hotter oh so lance lance the entire superman legend is built off that conceit so let's not let's not poke too many holes well i think that it's it's what's illustrative to me about the amount of time that smallville covers is that you basically go from A year after X-Men, right before X2, where Mm -hmm. there is clearly like a directive to stay away from the source in terms of the – like evoke the source, but don't go there for full inspiration. Would you prefer yellow spandex to quote Richard White? Exactly. Exactly. Richard White. (laughs) And then when Smallville ends, it's a year before the Avengers when – Which is nuts. (laughs) The original conceptions are – in full force as like the driving factor of the inspiration for a lot of the costumes that other media adaptations would use. So it's like Smallville runs that entire gamut. It It's kind of sat on the sidelines while things were evolving. It really stayed in the X-Men camp over the course of its entire run, unless you count the final episode. But 
Mm. That's debatable. That but is way, a whole yeah. <laughs> we'll you're to gonna that. have to have like 60 guests on that show. I you realize that, right? We're gonna we're gonna do something special. I don't know what it's gonna be, but everyone yeah. who has ever been on the podcast has a seat at the table if they want it, and we're gonna talk That's about true. it. So maybe not at the same time. We'll figure right, it out. Yeah. But there's but, so but, much to say. But I do think it's worth keeping that in mind. The the, the fact that it ran that entire gamut of yeah. philosophy when it comes to adapting the characters, at least from a visual perspective. Uh, yeah, Smallville. Yeah, and, and this episode is a perfect like example of that with what we're seeing of the Legion, of the Persuader, right? If, if you if Doomsday himself, right? Yeah. I mean, we're, we're, getting, we're getting Doomsday in this young Superman show, and who would have thought that back in when they started in 2001? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I'm going to have Doomsday in this show. And just Kidding talking me? aesthetically, he looks pretty good. I agree. Like, <sighs> he might be the best. I mean, Krypton is the best Doomsday. Like, visually. Yes. Yeah. But Smallville is number two. Yes. As usual, put, TV does it better. Yes. I would put Smallville ahead of BBS. Yeah. Absolutely. As you should. Like, it's... <laughs> look, whatever you want your feelings on the DCU, BBS, whatever objectively that doomsday does not look as good as the krypton one or this one or like the character yeah <laughs> so that's that's the pull right, right? because your standard if it's derived from the comics then yeah krypton and smallville take the cake if you want your doomsday to look more like a generic monster then Maybe you would like be and who wouldn't as much <laughs> and who wouldn't. But anyway, nothing, nothing wrong with look, you, you, you do you. It's just if for for comic book fans. Yeah, I think these ones bat a little higher. And Superman should have been wearing red trunks. And anyway, let's move on. Uh, they- <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a complicated question. You know. I, I love that it's coming back. Like we yeah. like, I feel like it's fine. It's coming back now. Like like there was there was this era where it was like, oh no, New Fifty Two and all that stuff, and obviously Man of Steel, like no red trunks. But now, I have a whole philosophy about that. That it, this isn't the the best venue for it, but <laughs> I could I could we we could fuel a whole podcast. About I have no doubt of it. I've yeah. got, you know maybe you know maybe when when <laughs> when he puts on the costume in the series finale, we can talk about it. <laughs> there you go. Maybe maybe. Okay, so. <laughs> We go to ISIS. <laughs> Lana's there um, doing some research. And then we get a real like a horror stinger from the soundtrack to reveal Saturn Girl. I'm like, what's she here to kill you? Like, yeah, it's, it, it, the, the music led me to believe she had nefarious intentions there. But actually, I mean, she kind of did. Because Saturn Girl has come to talk to Lana. It's like, listen, Lana, I know what year it is. You're the only person who Clark Kent will listen to. I need you to tell him to kill Chloe Sullivan. I'm like, wow, Smallville. We have... It always comes back to Chloe versus Lana. I thought we were past this when we had that fight in the high school back in season three, which is a better fight than Clark versus Doomsday on this show. I'll tell you that. But it, it is interesting that like they they didn't really obviously they didn't really know like where Lana was going or, or what the plans were. But Saturn Girl is like, hey, like you 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 uh you know you you play an important role in Kal-El's Destiny, but you have your own story too. I'm like, okay, I like that, but I don't I don't think the show ever really pays that off um not really uh they kind of do it and or try to address it i guess in the season 11 comic 
where uh, mm. she and where mm. she and Lois have a have a heart to heart, which is which is interesting. Uh, but I think you're glossing over the funniest part of this interaction. It was when she first shows up. And, oh yes, please. And Saturn Girl's talking to Lana. She's like, "I'm from the future." And Lana gets up and is like treating her like like she's like a patient. She's like, "Well, he's like," and it's just like all of her I know language. this all seems very real yeah, to you. It's so funny. <laughs> but we can get you some help. <laughs> but that's the purpose of ISIS one. Exactly. I know. But it's like, just... it's hilarious, but it's actually like, that's a very reasonable yes. thing to say that. I think it's funny. When I was watching it with Sarah, I think she said something like that. I'm like, okay, whatever. And then Lana's like, I know this, <laughs> I know this seems real. But it, it's funny. It's, it is a funny exchange. Good, good on you, Lana. Uh, unintentional humor that comes from this show sometimes. But I, no, I think they knew that was going to be funny. No, well, yeah, but it's just like, you know, I don't think people like necessarily think of this as a funny ha ha show, right? But no, that, but no. that is a funny ha ha moment. This is not an MCU movie, Lance. Okay, Comedy oh, that's has right. No place here. That's that's <laughs> I, I, I forget. Yeah, because yeah, jokes are bad. I forget. Jokes are bad. So uh, she tells Lana all the, the incredible things that she'll go on to do and and whatnot. Uh, but but she's basically it's like, hey, look, billions are going to die, and I I know you understand sacrifice more than anyone. Oh, because she sacrificed being with Clark. I guess. I guess. I guess. Sure. <laughs> Maybe. She also tells Alana, like, hey, I know why you're back, and I know you haven't told Clark that yet. I think it's more the writers haven't figured that out yet. So I think. I but think that's what it is, too. They're like, Jeff John's like, what's the deal with Alana? Don't worry about it. It's fine. Don't worry about it. But yeah, that, that, that's, what, that's what it comes down to, right? It's like she, she wants to convince Lana to convince Clark to cook Chloe because they think that's the only way to stop Brainiac. And if Brainiac doesn't die, their future doesn't exist. So that is where they're that is their mindset right now. That is what they're they want to preserve the timeline, mm-hmm. right? And at any cost, at any cost. This is very interesting here. This scene, according to the commentary by Jeff Johns, which I've mentioned a dozen times now after saying, I'm not gonna mention it too much. You see why I don't listen to these? Because I feel like I need to share this information. <laughs> and it's like insightful stuff, right? Apparently they had some extra time and they they added this scene. Hmm. Uh of of them going through the the um the, like the, the Talon apartment and the Wall of Ear and all we see a photo of Alicia. I know, right? right? All right, yeah. Hashtag Team Alicia, big all fan the way. of her. I'm like, oh wow, this Chloe Sullivan was collecting all this information and all these meteor affected people. And then they go through all of the fan theories <laughs> yep. of like, well, maybe maybe her death is what propels him to be Superman. Oh well, maybe she changed her name to protect her in the future. <laughs> like mm. this is someone read the Krypton site forums. So this was all the. I just I love that, and, and to your point, Chris, like he is the the mouthpiece, or, you know, the, these characters, especially Lightning Lad, the mouthpiece of the fandom at this time, and not even like you're not Superman, but there's that, but there's also like the the speculation about like how does this Chloe person fit in to the continuity? I don't think it's necessary to explain it away, but the show kind of made it a point, so then you have to do it. Like you know, I've never heard of Lionel Luther. No one says that because yeah, it's right. like, of course, Lex had a dad and et cetera, right? Yeah. But I just think that's such a cool meta thing to do, and I really enjoyed that they they even ruminated about that for a bit. As a fan, you can sit there and be like, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the things that Johns has a demonstrated skill in uh, in doing. It's it's just like you don't have to uh, to overwrite anything that you've already seen. Just build on it, and if you build on it with stuff that is from DC Comics, then all the better. Like that was the thing that I really do take away the most from this episode is the fact that for, you know, eight years up to the or seven and a half years up to this point, we just really haven't seen that connective tissue really start to assert itself outside of Clark himself. And now we're starting to see a whole other 
potential path forward that is very familiar and recognizable to DC Comics fans. It's sort of like the same mistake that Berman and Braga made with Star Trek Enterprise. You know, it wasn't even Star Trek Enterprise uh, for for the first two seasons, right? And right, yeah. They finally decided to start embracing the lineage. And Smallville took a little longer to get there, and it arguably didn't go, like, as far. But the fact that a bone was thrown in the, in the direction of longtime DC Comics fans was a gesture that I appreciated. I'll just say that. Totally. For sure. I mean, you know why, Chris, they, they decided to, you know, you know, embrace things in season three, right, for Enterprise. Uh, uh, ratings, wasn't it? Nah, it's because they had <laughs> they faith. Were. Oh, they had the faith of the heart. I unironically love that theme song. I do too. I used to. I used to think it was like this is lame. But then, like, like this. Why can't you have a cool song like "Save Me"? <laughs> but then, contemporaries. Like, by the way, they started the same. We could be in season eight of Enterprise. Hilarious. <laughs> oh, but no, I love that song now. I'm I'm holding out hope for President Archer Westwing. You know, they, they got to do that, right? That would be awesome. That'd be I mean, great. Bacula, I love him. He's 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 connected to the fandom. He seems to have a great just mindset about the whole thing. He would totally if they found the way to bring him back, they totally would. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also, same goes for Quantum Leap. Let's get him on the Quantum Leap. No joke. That's weirder that he's that's, not there. Oh, that's and that social media post he made. I'm like, yeah, like apparently, I, my my theory is he's being very diplomatic about it. But yes. like, whatever they were gonna do, he like didn't like it, and he was like, "Well, I'm not gonna do that." <laughs> <laughs> but he's like, "Well, I wish them well," and blah 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 blah. Anyway, yeah. <sighs> I love quantum leap. Anyway, that's the quantum leap theme, people. That's a good theme right there. <laughs> so, Clark's at the fortress, mm-hmm. right? It's dead. Say, like, hey, Jarrell, what's up? And then Chloe comes out of nowhere, and this is where I'm like, oh, that's right. She has super speed and superpowers and things, and this is where Brainiac explains, like, they're there. I'm talking about Chloe, him, whatever. It's, it's Brainiac yeah. is Chloe, right? She wants the knowledge of, of the fortress. She'll finally belong to me, and then I'm going to take this knowledge, and my hunger is never satisfied, and knowledge is what fuels me. I'm like, oh, this is some great, like, modus operandi for this character that yeah. I didn't realize how non-fleshed out <laughs> Brainiac's motivations were on this show until we got to this this kind of monologue. So mm. I, I, I very much appreciate it. As we talked about before, you know, this is John's recalibrating, like, the comic book lore into the Smallville world, and it tracks, and I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah. It's good stuff. Absorb man. and destroy. Yeah. As you said, Lance. Yeah, it's a simple plan. So it's a simple plan whose music I think has appeared in Smallville. <laughs> yes, it has. Absolutely. It has, but, uh, <laughs> well done. And then she throws in 30 feet. <laughs> yeah. How do you like that? Clark taste your own medicine there. Again, it's, it's, it's it plays in Brainiac's band. Like you, Clark gets really like pissed, right? And he's like going like, to grab her and like throw in her like some crystals and cause that's how he's defeated Brainiac before, like mm-hmm. stabbing him or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he's like, ah, I can't do it. He's like, yeah, I knew you would never hurt this vessel. Why do you think I chose her? I'm like, okay, that's cool. But let's remember the only reason you're still here <laughs> is because you tried to brainwash Chloe and turn her into a, like a vegetative state back at the end of season seven. And she had some weird healing power. Yep. <laughs> and you don't know what happened. And apparently part of you got left behind. That's the only reason that you were here. So don't act like you're some 12th level intellect. Okay. Brainiac. <laughs> then she speeds off as she throws Clark his, his 20 feet. And we pan up and Davis is like in his little chrysalis. Yeah. Like, let's, it's creepy. It's unsettling, isn't it? Very. It's supposed to be, though. So good on them. It's effective. Yeah, I mean, the monster photography 
I think is starting to be leaned into a little bit more. And, mm. you know, if he wants to be creepy, Sam Witwer can be creepy. Right? Yeah. And if you've got good lighting texts that are, that are working <laughs> alongside him, then the effect is achieved. Well, what's interesting is the fortress. Like, I think it actually looks better now, than it's like in this like corrupted brainiac <laughs> state because it has more depth to it. Like there's like, sure. Yeah. There's, there's texture and shades and light and shadow. Like, but we, we all love the, the clean Kryptonian, like, Richard Donner, you know, uh, sterile look. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, that's what it is. But like, it's it's kind of flat. You know, there's only so many ways you can yeah. shoot it. But like, I I like this this new look, even though it's supposed to be like the corrupted fortress. And and I think they changed the set so much they kind of have to leave it this way the rest of the show. I'm pretty sure it's. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's like there's like gray pillars and everything for the for the rest of the rest of the series. We'll see. But uh, but yeah, now Clark knows what Brainiac's plan is, and he can't can't bring himself to kill Chloe. Because Superman doesn't kill. That's right. So then we get a, like a Star Trek four pollution joke here, Chris. Right? They're talking about like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do the the carbon uh, content of the atmosphere. We're in the late twentieth century. <laughs> yeah, I, good old Nick Meyer wrote that joke. There should have been a car that almost hit them, and it could have said "double dumbass" on you, and that made me funny. That would have been an all-time smaller moment if they had managed to do that. That would have been my favorite episode. We would, we would have been talking like if they would have done that. Like we would have nonstop been talking about that. Like for every day, every for day. the rest of my life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, easily. Especially if Shatner was driving the car. <laughs> yes. Right. Oh man. So a lightning lad again. He's like completely flipped on Clark at this point. He's like he's more legend than legion. Hmm. Like oh okay. Like you you don't meet your heroes right. Yeah. He loses faith fast. And he's like well guys we're just gonna have to kill Chloe Sullivan ourselves. Like you're gonna kill Superman's best friend yourself, <laughs> Mister Superman fan. This is how it's how quickly he's turned on him. But um, I, I I don't know like this. Again you got to remember like they're just trying to preserve their timeline. Yeah. Uh, I think it would have helped. And they actually, in the commentary by Jeff Johns, he actually mentions that there was like a kind of a subplot, at least visually, where it was kind of more back to the future where they were like kind of maybe like starting to disappear or lose their powers. And mm. like as the timeline would change, I thought that would have been mm. interesting. Okay. Uh, Lois and Clark, Tempest Fugitive. Shout out to Matt Truix. Shout his out favorite to episode of that show. Yeah. That's what happens to Clark in that episode. Like Tempest goes back in time and kills Superman as a baby. And he's like, He's, he's doing the Back to the Future thing. His hands, I'm like waving my hand around. Like, you know, you can see what you guys know. Like, Marty McFly is holding up his hand. It's yes. just transparent. Jimmy Olsen is disappearing from that photo. <laughs> but I, I think that would have been, this would have been the scene for that, I think. Because okay. this is just a little like, you check in with what the Legion is doing because we're exploring these other plots and, and, and we know what their objective is now. Uh, so I think that would, I think that wouldn't help. But there, there was so much going on in that episode. Maybe that's yeah. maybe why they were like, Probably. plus budget. <laughs> maybe they can't afford The most that. important thing, yeah. I bet budget was the top concern with that. I mean, because the time travel component does seem rather incidental in the overall scheme of things. Mm. There there aren't any stakes that are necessarily attached to the time travel itself. So, yeah, it would have been nice to see. But also, at the end of the day, did it need any more? It would have been nice to have more, but I don't think it needed it per se. I agree. Now we get what I think is a new establishing shot of ISIS. I don't remember it, but it's this long shot of a street and then the ISIS, the ISIS flag. Can I say that? It's, it's outside the building. Yeah, I think you can say it. Remember, you didn't create it. That was Lana Lang. Yeah. Yeah. We have Clark and, and Lana at, at ISIS and they're looking for power surges and they're searching for Brainiac and, um, 
that's something we've established in Smallville. That's how they track Brainiac. Like they find because he takes energy and they find power surges, things like that. And uh, Clark's kind of down. He's like, man, like they want me to kill Chloe, and I don't know. And you know what, Lana? No one stays good in this world. I think we're gonna have to kill Chloe. That's what he <laughs> says to her. And uh, no, he doesn't say that. Because Superman would never say that. <laughs> a lot of a lot of hypes hypes up Clark. Like, oh no, no, you're gonna find a way out, like a, another way. You always do. Yeah, yeah. She says the Clark can I know would insist that he could save Chloe's life and the rest of the world. I was like, that's right, Lana. That's that is right. correct. Lana Lang understands the character of Superman. Okay, so works for me. And this is an effective use of Lana. Like you know, I mean, we, Lana for so long on the show of like we all be like, oh, she's holding him back from his destiny. Even Lana thought that right for a while. But like, this is her. Like, no, this is who you are. Like, I like this is a good shift. And at this point, I'm like, Lana's back. They've adjusted. Like, they've recalibrated. Like, they're relationship and she's gonna like encourage him instead of kind of holding him back as as we feel like he had for so she had for so many years and i'm like okay great i'm glad lana's back this is going to be a great run of episodes (laughs) i can't wait to see how they maturely wrap up their relationship (laughs) but then uh chloe's at the daily planet because it's a set we have basically it's because it's the hub of information you know, I did. I, that was a pretty good explanation. I'll give it that. There's another. There's another line like that later. I'm like, okay, I know you're here because it's an established set, and if yeah. this was a movie, you'd be somewhere else. But we're a show. But at least you threw that in, and that makes sense, yeah. right? That's why Clark Kent works there. But she's brainiacing her way around and taking over all the um, computer screens and things like that. And we get what I believe was the first instance of the Brainiac logo like that outside of the animated series. Am I wrong? I think so. Cause I don't remember the, the triangle of the orbs outside right. of the animated series, unless I've read a fraction of the comic books you guys have, but I don't recall seeing that anywhere. No, I think this is it. Neither do I not off the top of my head, at least. So again, bringing that animated seriousness into this show was, was fantastic. Yeah. Brainiac never really had like a logo outside of like the skull ship. Maybe. Mm. So, like, choosing to feed that iconography, I think, is a good move, you know? And, and certainly the animated series was popular, and it's a well-regarded Superman adaptation, so why not? Well, you know, it's 2009 now. Like, we're, we're a few years away from, from the last Matrix movie. We're getting out of that code, you know? <laughs> because right, yeah. before, in season five, mm-hmm. it was like Matrix code. That's what mm-hmm. it was, right? It was like, yeah. oh, I know the Matrix. Yeah. But season two. One of those- when uh, when he meets Doctor Swan for the first time, yeah, Kryptonian, oh. like Matrix code on the screen, right? <laughs> Activate it's screen. the visual shorthand for technology, yeah. <laughs> right? Activate screen. That's right. So, <laughs> oh man. But but speaking of movies, though, what did what did all of this remind you of, Zach? Oh, you think this is a movie plot as an episode? No, not a movie plot as an episode, but like the sequence of like, you know, Chloe in the in the Daily Planet and then the Brainiac symbol and the people's reaction to it when they see it. What does this remind you of? Uh, the new Twilight Zone episode "Time Out" by Jordan Peele. <laughs> Actually, now that I think about it; it's exactly like that. But no, what are you thinking of, Lance? Batman Forever. Oh. The box. I'm <laughs> sucking off your IQ, vacuuming <laughs> cortex, feeding off, off your brains. brains. <laughs> 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 yeah, exactly. It is green. Uh huh. And it's a box on every TV in town. One day the world. I, I wanted to see the beam going into the forehead, though. Lance. That was the missing component to me. But yeah, it, it is interesting that um, 
like th- this is how he's hypnotizing everybody. It's it's very it's uh it's overall when he explains the plan, like oh he's draining everyone like brain by brain to assimilate all knowledge. I'm like okay, there's something like if this was a movie, like you have a theme here about how we're like attached to our devices. Of and, course, you know, remake this as a Legion of Superheroes movie <laughs> with Superman yeah. in it and Brainiac, and there's, there's so much you can be done here. But that's a good. I, I'm ashamed of myself for missing that Batman Forever connection, Lance. Usually I'm better about that sort yeah. of thing. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, off your brain. Now Brainiac would just infiltrate TikTok. That's he right. would. The world would be his in seconds. Yeah. So, what's interesting is like he's paralyzing everyone. There's a deleted scene, and I'm not sure why this was changed. Maybe when, maybe because they explained they filmed some extra things here or there, and they changed stuff later. There's a deleted scene of this episode. The only one. It's Lana running through the street, seeing people get frozen by Brainiac when they see the symbol, and she's like, "Wait, stop! Don't go that way!" And then she gets stopped as well, and like gets frozen. I'm like, I don't. Because we see her get frozen in ISIS. Like, obviously, Clark is immune to it, being have his Kryptonian brain is mm. always the reason he's not affected by these things everyone else is. But she gets frozen right there, and Clark's like, God, not again. We just did this last season. <laughs> Probably <laughs> thinking about with Lana. But, like, that's it. Like, she gets frozen there, and I think that makes more story sense than, like, okay, let's go to the Daily Planet and save Chloe. And then Lana gets, like, stuck trying to... Maybe they wanted to show that she was being more heroic. Maybe that was the point of that deleted scene, but it just felt really out of place, and I think dropping it was the right thing to do because we had way too much going on anyway yeah i'll post it on our social media as i always do but then the, the legion show up they use all their powers against uh brainiac chloe and you know professor x some stuff out of saturn girl uh and visualizing that those uh brain waves i guess lance yeah mm-hmm. they do an emp cosmic boy and lightning lad pretty cool they're in sync for the, for for a change yeah <laughs> as they say then there's like a ritual dagger after this. I was like, that's a bit much. Why did I was like, is that a letter opener? Where did that <laughs> grab that off someone's desk? I don't know. But uh, Brainiac does talk some smack like history is about to get a rewrite, right? Because mm-hmm. they're like, we're going to shut you down, Brainiac. So anyway, <laughs> they knock her out and uh, Lightning Lad is going to kill Chloe Solve. <laughs> he was like, I'm going to I'm going to do the right thing for once or whatever. Like, cause he because he's hothead, right? He doesn't. But he's going to do the great for the greater good mm. for the Legion, right? He, he gave an oath and he's going to see it through. And the, the oath he pledged to this Legion means I'm going to kill this woman. And that's what he's going to do. But then he can't do it. Right. What what, what are they trying to say with that? Well, well they're, what they're trying to say is Clark's influence that later manifests later is like that's there's another way to do this. Right. And talking a big game about like being able to like you know take a life is one thing but when you actually have to do it you realize the 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 gravity of that decision uh, and that's not something that you should do with ease or do in a way that like you won't uh, suffer any consequences or have any mental anguish about like that is something that is incredibly serious and sacred right so that it's a if you decide to do that that's a big deal and so him hesitating and then ultimately not doing it it shows you that yeah this was the wrong decision it's the same place that uh that you get to from tonight you're all gonna be a part of a social experiment uh-huh you know, the end of the dark night exactly i mean once you actually do have the power to do that i mean batman stories play with that question generally far more because mm. it's usually a settled question by the time you get to superman but uh no, I mean, it, it It was a decent way to illustrate that. And I think Garth is probably the best person, the best conduit, no pun intended, 
to, uh, <laughs> to get the point across. Conduit, uh, Kenny Braverman in New Kids in Town. Check it go. out, Superman the Animated Series. I'm going to go rewatch the episode tonight before it gets taken off HBO Max, I think. There you go. There you go. I'm glad I got the Blu-ray. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I've hold on to my DVD. Always hold on to your DVDs. Always hold on to your physical media. But I was, I was like, well, I'm going to keep these DVDs forever, obviously, but I don't need to get blu-rays because i'll have streaming well guess what not anymore <laughs> it's like we're gonna start putting some stuff on my christmas and birthday list i just but. got the blu-rays of the batman for christmas and mm. uh so i although you know i'm still holding on to my director's editions of the first 10 star trek movies because oh, they haven't like ported the okuda commentaries over like i can't lose these also it's just i love the double the like double thickness cases, yeah. yeah they're so yeah. cool and for the longest yeah. time that was the only way you get the director's edition of the motion yeah. picture yeah exactly didn't we talk about that briefly? When, we <laughs> might have, yeah. We did. Anyway, some of that might have been in the show. Maybe not. But anyway, <laughs> Cosmic Boy has no such dilemma. He's like, okay. He's Debo from The Dark Knight. <laughs> He's like, give it to me. <laughs> I'm going to do what you should have did 10 minutes ago. That's, honestly, that's like the most heroic thing in The Dark Knight. That's like, yeah. Like, exactly. To me, like, that's, that's what you do. That gets you in the feels right there. You can tell them I took it by force. <laughs> <laughs> That's Killer Croc, right, Chris? And the Nolan verse? It would make sense. Tiny Lister, you know, I think he has more nuance than people give him credit for. He does, but the thing know. is, nobody's nobody's watched black cinema, so they hadn't seen him in stuff. Oh. I thought he was great in the Fifth Element Lens. <laughs> As the president, yes. President Rith. Coleman Reese, the Riddler for Chris Nolan. Oh. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Think about it. Yeah, Robin John cool. Blake as Robin. That's no. Those two characters are much more the ones I said than John Blake is Robin. Now let's move on. Okay, let's move on. So, Cosmic Boy about to murder Chloe Sullivan. Yes. Like just, and then Superman shows up and he's like, "Does your Legion have any principles?" Like, I love thank it. you. I love it. I love. I love moral police Superman as I've been describing him this season. Like, thank you. Like, I like Clark. Like having some agency, telling having some confidence, telling people what is right and wrong around here. Like, thank yeah. you. That is what Superman is all about. And uh, he's like, "We do not kill ever." preach the key is legitimate moral authority right because by this point we've gone on a seven and a half year journey with him so conceivably you have seen how he develops those principles and i think that that is one thing that this story helps to emphasize is that all of this lived experience has given him a a very strong moral outlook that is not preachy as much as it is look i've seen the consequences of these kinds of choices mm-hmm. and if if i have the power to stop someone from making that choice then i'm going to exercise it yeah i mean you mentioned some of these same themes that continue on through jeff john's small work like in booster in season 10 like he's telling yeah. booster gold like hey i've messed around with time before don't do it it's bad like yeah mm-hmm. from he's speaking from experience and we've experienced that experience with him uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, what, 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 legitimate moral authority <laughs> so yeah. you said it's yeah. perfect perfect terminology there chris but the best superman stories display legitimate moral authority he's never lecturing people because he's trying to make them feel bad he's like i've i've seen this you see it all over the place in philip kennedy johnson's current superman stories i cannot recommend that man's superman stories enough they're very very good and uh john's clearly has always understood that about superman and guess what superman's right because saturn girl's like wait Wait, I, I do think I <laughs> I sense Chloe in there. I'm like, wow, thanks, guys. Yep. So they take Chloe out of um, the Daily Planet and they take her back to the Kent barn again because we have this set. But then the show, it, 
responds to my criticism, and Clark's like, because Lightning Lad's like, why are we here? Again, <laughs> voice of the audience. Why are we at this bar? Okay. And Clark's like, well, when Brainiac uh, wakes back up, I don't want them anywhere near a computer. I'm like, smart. Pete had to bring his computer over to the bar, and we know that there's no computers in that bar. Who's Pete? <laughs> we've never heard of Pete Ross. <laughs> you know what they should have done? They should have thrown out, like, we've heard of Lois Lane and Jimmy Olsen and Ron Troop, but never Chloe. Just throw in, you know how you know how Star Trek has, like, Einstein, Surak. <laughs> you know, just they throw in, like, a yeah. random side. Like, the next Adolf Hitler or the next Khan Singh. <laughs> right? Yeah. Exactly. Although, if they mentioned Pete Ross, then maybe they would have had to say, wait a second, you mean the vice president? Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know the president was in town. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway. So they're they're in the they're in the barn. Clark formulates this whole plan. He's like, hey, so supercomputer, there's like microbes in there that you can pull out and, and you use your powers and this and that. Like Superman, like kind of telling these guys like creatively. I'm like, this Clark Kent, this is season eight, Clark Kent, ladies and gentlemen. Mm-hmm. He is smart. He is authoritative. Like he is like assertive. Like I love this guy. He's a leader. They combine all their powers together with the powers combined. They form Captain Planet, apparently. <laughs> but they, I mean, it's creative. Like whenever these superhero teams can kind of all complement each other and, and and use the use the powers to like, oh, I'm going to electrocute this, so you can pull this out and all that kind of stuff. It, it's cool to see it all work together. And I, you know, I don't think the special effects are hold up very well as well. They do because they have what what Lightning Knight calls a techno exorcism. Yes, <laughs> but coming from that character, fine. Yeah, because I mean, I mean, what did you think when they when they when they did this scene, Zach? Here's another test. Let's see if you can pass it. Oh no! <laughs> I don't know. Now you're putting me on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> My confidence has been shattered by not picking up that Batman Forever reference. So, oh, Ace Ventura. There you go. Exercise the, the demons. demons. Oh, man. This house oh. is clear. <laughs> can you feel it? <laughs> Oh, good. Okay, good. I redeem myself with the other Jim Carrey movie. Yes. Lance was talking about. Oh, what a time <laughs> to be a child in 1994, 1995, watching The Mask, Ace Ventura, Batman Forever, and Liar Liar. Just formative. Yep. Absolutely. Formative. <laughs> dumb and dumber. Uh, oh, dumb and dumber. I can't. Can't really. <laughs> Cable guy. Lloyd Christmas. Cable, Cable guy is underrated. It when is. I was younger, I saw that and I was like, I don't know. So when I was older, this is amazing commentary on our society. <laughs> it's quirky. That's and quirkiness is hard to get across to a kid. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love the, the Star Trek sequence. Of, of course. course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Best friend for the fight to the death. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, this is why we're going long here, but it's for the we're having a good time. So thanks for bearing with me. <laughs> They defeat Brainiac. Mm-hmm. They pull out this orb of like black goo, which which I love like the continuity of like Brainiac and Smallville has always been this black goo. I'm like, thank you. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, this is a small thing, but it's something they could have easily changed. And I'm like, well, you know, in the rest couple of seasons, he was black and now he's silver. I'm not, you know, but they no, just look at what color it was and make it that color. Perfect. And it's just it's cool. I like how like when they pull everything out, it's not a perfect orb. It's like it's like there's pieces missing, and maybe, maybe that's why. Maybe that shows his corruption. Like I don't know. Like I just that's a cool visual element. Like this, this broken looking orb was Brainiac mm-hmm. now, and we're gonna take it to the future and repair it, as they say later. Which which we get paid off in season ten. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. When Brainiac is defeated and and shut down and pulled out of Chloe, we see Davis wake up in the in the chrysalis. Mm-hmm. So his his metamorphosis was incomplete, and then we see everybody kind of um. Well, we see Lana get out of her trance, and then presumably the rest of Metropolis. We don't. 
we don't have the budget to shoot another scene of the Daily Planet where everybody wakes up, but we see Lana do it, and that's good enough for for us. Yeah, yeah. That you know what? That's probably you know that's probably what it was. They shot the beginning of that Lana scene. They're like, wait, <laughs> we don't have the budget to shoot this anymore. So we'll just Kristen go back in the office. We're gonna shoot hmm. you in the computer screens. Um, thank you. Chloe apparently got her makeup done during this exorcism because <laughs> she was looking pretty like it was like the whole like zombified like you know kind of look to her yeah and then didn't she look great after they got brainiac out of her so yeah i get very much like the exorcist i guess uh, maybe so probably movie plaza episode this is clearly the exorcist. <laughs> it's a new self-care routine we're gonna implant an evil computer into you and then <laughs> when we take it out then your wrinkles are clear and your face is is washed and everything it's great <laughs> I feel a whole lot dumber, she says, <laughs> because she's, this is this is Chloe has now been restored to her mid season six self where she's not a meteor freak. She's not a brainiac. She's just Chloe again. Mm-hmm. So which good. Like I, yeah. my ranking of Chloe is like number one, Lois Lane, number two, Chloe, number three, Brainiac, number four, a distant fourth <laughs> meteor freak. <laughs> oh, I guess Watchtower would be in between there somewhere. In between Lois Lane and Clark. Okay. <laughs> anyway, She's you guys know what I'm saying. Yes. yes, yes. So, so uh, we cut the commercial. We come back. Chloe's uh, packing up her things to go be with Jimmy. She's like, I can't wait to go see my husband in Star City, which is bizarre. I'm like, you talking about Oliver Queen? <laughs> 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 That's your husband in Star City. <laughs> they didn't know at the time, but it is funny in retrospect. It, it sure um, is funny. Anyway, Clark's like, yeah, there's no sign of that creature. Like Doomsday, right? They've been saying his mm. name. Doomsday is coming. And they're like, yeah, well, hopefully he got shut down with Brainiac. Sure. Smallville, you guys, <laughs> you make so many assumptions. It's quite a hope. It's quite a hope. <laughs> well, I hope we've seen the last of him. <laughs> it's like, okay. I'm glad that's over with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, this is this is the shadiest thing Clark has potentially ever done. Oh, yeah. He's like, so, hey, Chloe, um. Do you like, do you like remember anything? She's like, what? Like about your secret? Of course. Nothing would make me forget that. And Clark's like, uh, cool. <laughs> in the commentary, in the commentary, Jeff Johnson's like, yeah. So, we, you know, we, we, did, did, does he ever tell her that he had her mind erased? And they're like, no, no, we haven't got to that yet. I'm like, you didn't get to that. You didn't get to that at all. Yep. Chloe never knows that Clark had her mind erased. Which Lana said in the last episode we talked about, Lancer. She's like, I would never forgive you. Who did that to me? <laughs> Something similar happened to Batman, and it yes. led to a crisis level event. Identity yes. crisis. We so, talked about that last last yeah. week. The, last the undercover episode. crisis and all the crisis events. That's like the. It's you, you think crisis, you think multiverse stuff, but no, this is identity crisis is fantastic. It was an internal story. Yeah, I mean, identity crisis is where you learn about it, but then when Batman finds out yeah. later. It leads to the destruction of the entire league. Yes. And it basically allows for Infinite Crisis to happen. One of the things. That yeah. Happens. Infinite Crisis is great. I mean, we're, I think we're all crisis fatigue now. Mm-hmm. But at the time, like, they're making a sequel to Crisis on Infinite yep. Oh, my God. Because, like, we're we're like in our 20s. We're like, and, and, and Crisis on Infinite Earth is like mythology by it, then. It like, is. They're doing a sequel? This is going to be as good as the Dark Knight Returns sequel, right? <laughs> we, just, we were so let down. Yeah, but the Dark Knight yeah. Strikes Again, I was like... To have a sequel that was actually like, I don't know, arguably better, I would say. Is that a hot take? I think Infinite Crisis actually has like a mirror. 
real so, like, some meat to the bone you know on the comic binge we just did like a four-part i i curated a reading order to go through the entire story of infinite crisis at least as it pertains to the trinity hmm. and uh in the last episode paul and i clash about whether or not infinite crisis is better or not i think it okay. is okay. because it has modern characterizations paul is very much like in crisis on infinite earth is an immutable great that you cannot challenge mm. <laughs> and i'm like well i guess it depends and he he would not have it it's a really obviously like it's a it's a super the importance of it cannot be challenged yeah. right which but, i uh, said specifically yeah. on the oh, show man, I, yeah. gonna, I, I gotta reread these and then listen to you guys i'm very excited now <laughs> it's just, it. i just i just remember like i was not let down by crisis i'm like okay that was a pretty generic like multiverse clash and the, the you know this kind of thing right but the the, the character motivations and everything going on like the, the the built but it wouldn't be good without crisis right i mean it built right. off crisis yes. so like yeah. it's Stood hard to shoulders. not say yeah. i'm not lessening the like crisis i don't know if i'm saying infinite crisis better but like it had better was better than any it had any right to be i think infinite and crisis, great so. t- like we did tie-in material there was a really great three-part story that was written by joe kelly and jeff Loeb with superman it was like the fight between Earth One and Earth Two oh, Superman from their perspective. So good, yeah, awesome, yeah. very good. Very I believe, good. I believe, I read all of your issues of that, Lance. We were mates at the time. Yep. <laughs> yeah, Lance I was, was the one buying these yeah, comics. Yeah, I was the one. Yep. That's me. But, oh, that's so cool. I mean, that was the internet at the time, right? That was that was like I remember all the photoshops of like Tom Welling and Brandon Ralph, and it was like, hey, right, look, it's yeah. uh-huh. Infinite Crisis number two or whatever that was. Anyway, again, we're going longer already. Yeah, we could sorry, go any longer, but sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. This is fantastic. Um. But yes, where's your moral authority now, Superman? You just erased this woman's mind and didn't tell her. Good thing for you. She forgets the whole thing. Yeah. But yeah. I don't know. Hopefully she never, hopefully Lana's never like, hey, so did Clark tell you what he did? <laughs> no, I guess not. <laughs> anyway, yep. that, I just like, they made such a big, that's the thing they were building towards. I felt like they were building towards some of the Chloe one way or the other. Yeah. They're write her off. They're going to kill her. They're going to do something with you go to the future. Instead, they've reset her status quo to what it was a couple episodes ago. And I'm like, what was all that for then? Like, I enjoyed yeah. the, the ride, but like, what, where did that lead us? Right back to where we were. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Next time, Chloe's like, hey, next time, I hope you do what's right for the world. Which I'm like, oh, well, I guess Doomsday is going to kill Chloe at the. <laughs> I mean, this 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 consistent ominous foreshadowing for the Chloe character throughout the show. Yeah, it doesn't stop because that, that's the thing; it, it continues. This is not season three, small. But this is season eight. Yep. Stop it! Just stop it. I guess the the idea of her name not persisting through to the thirty first century might reinforce the concept that she doesn't have the plot armor that other long-standing Superman characters have. But then they just go and flip that on its head with Jimmy anyway. <laughs> they kill Jimmy so, Olsen. <laughs> yeah. Spoiler, sorry. <laughs> no, we talk about that pretty much every episode, yeah, I think, at this yeah. point. Henry James Olsen is a common word around here. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, then we get to Lana at the Kin House with Stargirl in a, you mean in a slightly misogynist <laughs> scene. <laughs> she's like hey what's up and star girl's like oh the boys are out fixing the bar yeah and <laughs> just fell out of place in like, my notes i was like well <laughs> why aren't you helping like you have superpowers <laughs> like <laughs> you know what that made me think of probably the best line in infinity war <laughs> what was she doing up there this whole time <laughs> with scarlet Witch. But look saturn girl's powers are not going to be helpful building a barn right she can at least 
I don't know. She could still help. I mean, like she could beam instructions into their brain. Exactly. There's supposed to go. That, there you go. She's like, no, they're all just out there working hard. What, what's up, Lana? Remember when uh, in that episode of Justice League, when the Flash had to put together like a satellite? And yes. Oh, Marcy yeah. Manners like, I'm yeah. beaming the instructions. Comfort and joy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. One of their best episodes. <laughs> great. I watch that every Christmas Eve. Same. That here. is fantastic. Same oh, okay. Hey, I'm so glad you brought this up. I watched it this year as well, or last year, I guess. And I was like, where is the scene where Marsha Manahar helps the little girl who's lost in the woods? <laughs> Somewhere oh. I I had conflated that with that episode. Because <laughs> you see him walking around in the snow, yeah. right? And yeah. the, I'm like, oh, well, he's going to find the, he's going to discover the true meaning of Christmas because he's going to reunite this girl with his family. But that's from another episode. Uh-huh. So Lana asks, uh, of course, Saturn Girl, like, hey, so uh, what about me and Clark, huh? <laughs> She's like, oh, so you want to know the future, right? Um, well, your destiny is your own to make. I'm like, thank you, right? It's like Doc Brown said in the Back to Future 3. Future's not written. There's no fate what we make for ourselves. Doc Brown didn't say <laughs> <Yep>. that. <laughs> but... John Connor said that. <laughs> <laughs> I love time travel. And to your point, Chris, like I feel like they could have actually leaned more into that in this episode now that we're talking yeah. about it. But it's fine. Sure. But in, in, in the, in the, when they make the Legion of Superheroes movie, they better lean heavily into... The time shop last because you could do a lot of fun with that. So much fun, oh, yeah. so much fun. Um, and no, it's it's look. Of course, if we're Lana, any of us would ask about her and Clark in of the course. future. Theater. I do not begrudge her that whatsoever. Like you can't help but ask. Yeah, uh, but and that's good. That, that kind of that's kind of like the 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 companion scene to like the first scene with Stargirl and Lana where they kind of meet. And so like I'm glad they they had that connection and they kind of play that out with the, with the two of them on, on both ends of all the of all the drama of this episode. But yeah, now the barn's fixed. Um, the boys are done working out there in the barn. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I wish Stargirl would have brought him some... Stargirl, listen to me. I wish that girl would have like brought him some lemonade or something, I guess. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't know, but it's, it's, it's strange. Um, Lightning Lad finds Clark's baseball. He's super excited about it. And it's like, oh man, they could never find this in the museum, right? It's like it's like Cisco with his, it's like Cisco and his baseball, right? Like, like he has a real one. Nobody else has a real one. Same type of deal. There you go. Baseball's uh, baseball is extinct by the early 21st century, Lance, as, as yeah, we know. That's true. The London Kings were the final team. Uh huh. Good old Buck. Buck Bokai. Uh, yeah. Yeah. What a ridiculous! No one realizes that baseball came from one of the most ridiculous episodes of Deep Space Nine. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the Rumpelstiltskin episodes where that baseball came from, <laughs> but it's such a pivotal thing in the show. Yep. Anyway, yeah. It's a predestination paradox, right? Because they're like, we can never find it. Well, that's because Clark gave it to Lightning Lad in 2009. That's why they never had it. It's genius. I love mm-hmm. it. Uh, and it's this is so Tom Welling and like a fan. He's like, will you sign it? <laughs> He's like, yeah, sure, kid. He's, sure. And it's so cool that he signs it with the Heat Vision mm-hmm. and CK. That's so Superman. Like only he could do that. And it, it feels so right. right? Yeah. Yeah. They also have the Brainiac ball, and he's like, "You sure you want to take that with you?" And like, "Oh no, we can, we feel like then we can reprogram it and rehabilitate it." I'm like, "Okay, cool." And that that of of all the things teased in this final goodbye, at least they pay that off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, Brainiac Five, he's gonna wear a green T-shirt because it's the CWification, as we yeah. said. They learn because when Supergirl comes around, <laughs> Brainiac Five is a different color. Yep. Sometimes. I, I think this is this is a great scene. They they give him a Legion ring. Mm-hmm. They take off the uh, the flying. Uh, component of it, which is interesting because in in the comic books, right, they fly around in a big bubble. Yeah. See, this is a smart CWification, I think. Like, okay, <laughs> you're gonna wear this ring. You can time travel with it. You can fly with it. Like, cool. Like, we don't need a giant bubble. Like, I I, I think that works actually. 
it's it's fine. Yeah, I, I've I've got no notes. <laughs> I was just happy to see the ring. To be honest with you, like it was, I I it was so unexpected when they announced that the Legion was going to be in the episode that Jeff Johns wrote, and it was such a pleasant surprise that, like, it also just emphasized that they're going a little deeper, right? Because the Legion is not particularly well known even today outside of comics fan circles um i think it's opened up a little bit more now with their greater appearances on television but generally speaking you know the legion is not on the same level as the justice league or the avengers and the fact that they're going there uh to to mine material for a pretty well-known television series at this point in time it was a it was a nice portend of things to come so like I said, hoped it would lead to more, but can't complain about what we got generally. Budgetary restrictions aside. <laughs> For sure. Lance, did you did you think we'd ever go to the 31st century with these guys? Oh, hell no. We weren't going there. And, you know, one last note from, from that. Well, actually, I have a couple last notes from the commentary of Jeff Johns as, as we wrap up here. Uh, he's like, yeah, I think we originally had like a tag of like they went back to the future. And there was another turn there, but... I don't know why we cut that. I'm like, yeah, budget. Hello. <laughs> um, I remember on the on the internet at that time, Krypton Side forums, people were like, oh man, maybe they'll like see like a like a sh- like a figure in the shadows with a cape and it's Superman, but they don't show him. It's like, yeah, if only you knew. Yeah, <laughs> Smallville fans at the time that that would have been cool, but like again, in the Legion movie, we see the old Clark and the whatever. But um, they say goodbye. Hey, if you ever want to come meet the rest of the Legion, huh? The, the the more uh, the, the the more alien members that we can't afford to show you in this episode come to the future with us. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, they 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 lean on it. So Saturn Girl's like, "Oh, we hope you see you again." And Clark's like, mm. "Oh, Saturn, <laughs> Saturn Girl was down bad this whole episode, by the way, for Clark." Actually, yeah, Sarah was like, "What are they like? What's their deal?" I was like, <laughs> "It's like I don't know." Like, <laughs> you would be too if you were Saturn Girl and you were seeing young Clark Kent. Um, but yeah, they they say long live the Legion and they use their Legion rings to go back to the future. And it's like, there you go. Like that's that is the Jeff Johnsonisms of taking like long live the Legion, right? And they but it works here. Like like that's that's yeah. the guy to do that in live action. Yeah. Agreed. Mm-hmm. But before they go, Cosmic Boy's like, hey, be careful in the days ahead, Cal. Doomsday's coming. <laughs> anyway. Very ominous. They're setting up Doomsday. Like, okay, right? Mm-hmm. The, it's all going to come. They're going to come back from the future and fight Doomsday. It's going to be so cool. I can't wait. Now, just just like the Justice League is going to show up at the end of season six and fight that superpowered army. Remember that? Yep. Oh, right. Yeah. You can read about that in Smallville, Justice and Doom, the tie-in comedy. <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> but yeah, they do their long live Legion. They, they leave Clark with his Legion ring. He's out on the porch and Lana's like, I never knew you were one for jewelry. Other than that red kryptonite ring used to wear all the time. <laughs> and my necklace, where is that, by the way? No, we, we saw it in the drawer the other day. Um, it's just, that's such a generic line. Like, I'm, yeah, it's for her to say, like, the jewelry thing, like, to just bring up that he has the ring. And anyway, whatever. Yeah. They need they need a wrap-up it's, it's a goodbye present. Yeah. Yeah, that's what he's saying. It's it's it's, it's not that. It's, it's a goodbye present, right? And th- this is the very Tom Willing scene. He's like, yeah, apparently I'm so awesome that they're going to talk about me forever across the galaxy. <laughs> it's weird to people know all this stuff about me. Like, I don't know. Like that's a very genuine, like the actor to the character kind of thing going on there. And, uh, and Lana's like, so you're afraid you're not going to be able to love to it. And, uh, and there's a good message here about the, Hey, you know what? Destiny is destiny is us right here, right now. It's not set. And then you go through your whole like predestination 
Calvinism <laughs> theological debate if you really want. <laughs> but uh, you know what? From your perspective, that's the thing about like choices and stuff, right? From your perspective, it isn't set because you don't know. So I think that's a very that's my philosophy on it. You're right. Like they're you know, future what's supposed to happen, not supposed to happen. Like to get all theological here, it's like I think from your perspective, you have free will. <laughs> Yeah. And that's the message of this episode as well, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but you know, I actually did miss the most important message, actually. We were joking about all that stuff. Uh, the number one legion rule is thou shalt not kill now. Yeah. Yeah. Preservation of all life. Unless he's going to kill that family in the corner of that uh, train station, Lance. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I couldn't help myself. I actually, yes. I... This was funny about Man of Steel. Like, I never had a problem with him killing Zod up until I rewatched this episode. I'm like, oh, no, I kind of get it. (laughs) 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 I mean, he killed him in Superman, too. Yes, I know about the Arctic police deleted scene. So let's not go there right now, y'all. But this episode has gone long already. But anyway, I'm like, man, I don't know this. I think I've said many times, probably play the tape. I mean, like, where does Superman ever say I don't kill people? I don't think he ever sees that. I know Batman does. But I'm like, oh, no, (laughs) he's very clear. Thou shalt not kill there's a great omnibus called Superman the Exile that uh, takes place right after he makes a choice yep. that mm. he otherwise probably wouldn't have made and how he reacts to that choice and self-imposes an exile onto himself. Great set of stories. Absolutely worth reading. Mm-hmm. I've always heard about that arc. I've never read it, but I'm, I'm, I need to. I'm sure it's available on DC Universe Infinite. <laughs> If you're so inclined, I might, I might, I haven't been big on digital comics, but I'm like, I, I might get into it. So I need to get an iPad. And I think if I have one of those, I would I, get digital it's, comics. It's, it's nice having a great portion of the character's entire publication history in your pocket. I, you cannot argue with that. Yeah. So, but yeah, preserve uh, life at all costs. That's the, the uh, number one rule of the Legion. And, and the, he institutes that and they carry that back to the future. And that is their thing the rest of the time. And Superman has made that impact on them. And that's any level of Superman coming into any character's life and having a better influence on them. Right. That is the message of Superman as much as ridiculous as a movie as Superman three is right. He comes into Richard Pryor's life and makes him a better guy. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, so it's true. It's true. Your life is better for it. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Superman is Tim Tebow. So. <laughs> But we get a little stinger here, right? Uh, Clark's like, well, t- he's talking to Lana, and Clark's like, yeah, well, what's next? And he, he's talking about, like, as Clark, as a man, is talking about them, mm-hmm. right? He's like, oh, you know, you, know, what's, you, know, you and me, right? <laughs> Show-wise, what's next? We cut to the fortress, ceiling falls out, doomsday crashes on the ground. And it's like, oh, my God. Has it been 12 days? Is he doomsday? <laughs> That's what I had in my notes. <laughs> like, I was like, has it been 12 days? Like, did he stay up there the 12th? Day? You don't know. <laughs> and you're like, well, how, when's the, how many episodes long, are left? Is he? Yeah. It's a long stretch of time for one episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, what a way to end it. I mean, like, you know, because you're like, oh, my God, here he is. Like, what's next? And I honestly can't remember what happens next with Doomsday. I just think the next time we see Davis, he's just Davis, like, at the hospital. <laughs> I'm like, what a what a backtrack that was. What is this, Smallville? Come on. <laughs> That is so this show of like, here's Doomsday. Yeah. Uh, he's going to be at the hospital working his shift the next time you see him. But uh, yep. if this was like a self-contained thing, like its own episodic adventure, that a tag in like the 31st century would have been really cool, uh, like they were describing initially. But like as part of this ongoing story arc, 
you want to push the story forward with Doomsday, which was kind of the subplot that kind of pushed you to the back side of this episode. But you mm-hmm. want to keep that moving forward. And that's a very strong ending for this episode, seeing him crash out and fully formed. Yeah, agreed. Last note, as I said, the commentary of this episode with Jeff Johns was recorded during season eight. And during the conversation, Jeff Johns is like, oh man, Doomsday. Like, <laughs> I said, that's exciting. Are you guys going to do a big fight at the end? And the producers are like, no, we're, we're going to do what we can. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then, but no, in, the, in this last tag scene, Jeff Johns himself says, oh man, I can't wait. If, I the, if you're watching the DVDs right now, skip to the last episode. I can't wait to see that big Doomsday fight. <laughs> like, oh man. <laughs> if you only knew. Yeah. There once was a monster. And the monster dreamed that it was a man. It loved everything about being a man. It was a beautiful dream. But this dream is doomed to end. January 15th on the CW. Legion. Got an 8.8 out of 10 on IMDb. And Neil Bailey from the Superman homepage gave it a 4 out of 5. Neil, uh, your boy Neil has been really up and down this, this season, Chris. He's given some 1s. He's given some 4s. Like, he's he, he's picking up where they're putting down when it comes to Superman stuff. So yeah. as we discussed, like, that's what he's looking for. And, and obviously, I mean... If you're not going to enjoy this episode of Superman fan, I like it's all here. So I, I, I'm glad that he enjoyed this as much as he did because he had he had been leaving some ones and I understood why. But four out of five from Neil this time. Yeah, and I think he and I are on. But I don't know if I would give it quite the same grade, but he and I were definitely on a similar wavelength. And we talked about that uh, around this time, too. So, yeah, and I'm <laughs> I don't think you've quite seen the lows of his reviews yet, but uh, I think I did at the time because then I I stopped reading them at some point. I was like, right, man, yeah. get this man a different show because it's just... <laughs> anyway. Yeah. But that being said, on the letter grade scale, Chris, we'll start with you. What would you give this episode? I'll give it a B plus. I think um, it doesn't quite hit the A level for me, but it it uh, gets closer than probably any other season eight episode does. And it's certainly the episode that I enjoyed the most since probably early season seven. So, uh, yeah, I think I'm pretty comfortable with that. Cool. What about you, Lance? This definitely gets an A for me. I think this is a a great episode. It was really cool seeing the Legion in here, something I never thought I'd see on this show when it first started. Um, And also the the Clark having a positive impact on the Legion um, and the overall messaging in here and the thesis that you can kind of come, come away with from this episode reinforces uh, my thoughts on how Superman should be and should be and should act and should be characterized and in ways is can be used as a takedown of other things that I disagree with uh, as far as the handling of that character. So I will give it an A. Yeah, I, I was between an A and an A plus, honestly, because this is like epitomizes what Superman is all about, but it doesn't quite hit on some levels, I think. And so I'm going to, I'm going to give it an A, but it was really, I was really close to giving it an A plus. I was too. 
just the it's just the message here of what Superman is all about. Man, I, oof, man, they, oof. I gotta reconsider some things I've been letting slide for Superman to be doing <laughs> because this is like I know I joke about it on this podcast. And I'm like, this is what it's about right here. This is this the, the the morality of Superman is what makes him Superman, not his powers, right? And this episode more than more than most brings that to the forefront, and um, that's gonna make a B plus for Chris, an A for Lance, and an A for me. Finally, our tally board we have. Plus one for Amnesia Count, that brings us to 64. Plus one for Blue Shirt, Red Jacket, that brings us to 83. Plus one for Episode Title Set Episode, that brings us to 66. Plus one for Let's Do the Time Warp Again, because we have time travel, that brings (laughs) us to five. And then a plus one for Possession Count, because Chloe is, of course, possessed by Brainiac. Uh, And she had Amnesia too, she was the Amnesia Count. But that brings us to 27 for Possession Count. Bechtel has failed because all Saturn Girl and Lana talk about is Clark and perhaps their relationship. So... There you have it. Well, Chris, Lance, thank you guys both for joining me on this very important episode of Smallville. If people want to find you out there, where can they find you? Chris, let's start with you. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Chris Klaus, C-H-R-I-S-C-L-O-W. Uh, check out my show with my buddy Paul Herman on YouTube every week called The Comic Binge. You can also find that on Twitter at Binge Comic. And um, my Star Trek show, Discovery Debrief, is on a bit of a hiatus, but we plan on coming back next month. Awesome. What about you, Lance? Uh, you can find me at Sir Lance Laster on all my social medias. And you can find me talking about all the things that make Arrow Arrow on Always Hold On to Arrow. And you can find us on Twitter at Do Not Fail Our Pod. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Always on the Smallville. We'll be back next time talking about Bulletproof. And until then, all together now. Long live the Legion. Always Hold On to Smallville is part of the Always Hold On To network of podcasts and brought to you by listeners like you. Chris Fuchs, Cavante Chillis, Darren Kirscht, Joey Deanberg, JJ Hodges, DJ Dewena, Isaiah Goodridge, Forrest Yesness, Corey Moore, Nathan Rothatcher, Thomas Navin, Andrew Parker, Adam Sullins, Mark Idsfoppen, Patricia Carrillo, Michael Hartford, Jim Crawford, Alex Ramsey, Megan Rich, Rui Humphrey, Alex Hamilton, Matt Douglas, Nathan McKenzie, Jason Skipper, Steve Rogers, Atif Sheik, Molly Ficarella, John Curcio, Dylan D'Antonio, James Lee, Joe Michael, Jason Davis, Jacob Stevenart, Dana Bias, Crystal Dudgeon, Tate Tay, Nick Ryan Magdoza, Eddie Bissell, Jim Thomas, Nicholas Fansler, Clunk Kant, John Lloyd, Stephanie Ronsley, John Long, Jim Mason, Ruth Ann Cruz, Nicholas Coso, Jared Gibbs, Anthony Anderson, Jazza McGilley, Keith Falls, Rob O'Connor, James Hart, Anthony Desiato, Crystal Cross, Jake C., and John Schweitzer. Thank you so much to all these patrons. And you can become a patron by going to patreon.com slash with one S. Hope to see you there. Always Holding to Smallville's theme music is by Lance Laster, and our podcast art is by Tom Gerke. You can follow us on Twitter at AlwaysMallville with one S, you can find us on Facebook at Always Hold On to Smallville, and you can send us an email 
at alwaysmallville at gmail.com, once again, with one S. Thanks for listening.